Week one, baby. Welcome in, everyone, to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. I got my bird stuff on. Mark's got his ram stuff on. Chris got his his baby stuff on. (laughs) I got my Sean McVay hairdo going on. I am happy to be a Rams fan for the first time in a while. Too bad you didn't wear a headset and get a play seat. (laughs) But yeah, dude. I've been been told we look like a little bit. But yeah, dude, we uh, had a good, good weekend of college football. A lot of upsets. A lot of upsets. My uh, picks Whew. are going to look bad. A lot of upsets in uh, in the NFL as well. So uh, let's get to it here. One of them I might have uh, picked and been happy about that. Starting off with uh, the three third, uh, Friday games we had in college here. So number 17, Coastal Carolina. Rolling over Kansas, forty-nine to twenty-two. Uh, yeah, Coastal looked good. Just uh, again, Kansas. I thought Kansas looked better. Looked a lot better. Yeah, um, they they put up a fight <laughs> with with Jason Bean, who I didn't realize transferred to Kansas from uh, North Texas. Yeah, he he was really the difference in why Kansas kept it even close. Uh, it was close at one point, and that is when I subsequently decided to live bet Kansas plus nineteen and a half. I think I did, and they had their chances. They had chances to to score in the second half and could not convert. So I believe they jumped out to a. A lead. It wasn't it nine zero at first. Am I wrong or thinking about different? I know Kansas scored first. It was three zero and then nine seven. Nine seven. Yeah, three zero nine seven. Um, the coach that Kansas hired, Wisconsin Whitewater, I believe, or Wisconsin Lacrosse, and had done really well. No, it's there. it's, uh, it's Buffalo. It was Buffalo's coach, Lance Leopold. Okay. Well, he yeah. was at a small before Buffalo. He was at. Small yeah. Wisconsin Whitewater, yeah. which is just known as a small powerhouse, did really good at Buffalo, and I think he is. Before we get into the stats, I think he's he's got something. They're moving in the right direction, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, they rallied back in the third quarter because um, it had it had gotten out of hand. It was twenty eight to nine, and then they scored twice in a row, make it twenty eight twenty two. And then yeah. uh, three straight touchdown drives the rest of the game for Coastal. So, yeah, I mean, Coastal continues to roll on. Grayson McCall not having to have a all-world type of passing game yet. I mean, I don't think he will have to, considering their schedule and considering that they run a spread triple option offense, leaning on the running game. Um, in this one, it was Reese White. It is usually I thought they had a different running back the first game that was I know that maybe I'm wrong I know he's got a is white yeah I know he's got a wicked mullet Grace McCall 
and he has a favorite target if you drop down there 20.3 average my gosh that that's a that's a great average <laughs> yeah uh javon highly being featured so far this year like he was last year Isaiah likely still a big part of the offense, but I uh, they haven't thrown to the tight end position as much this season. But um, yeah, Coastal really good win by them. Uh, Alex Spillum he blocked and recovered that punt for the touchdown, um, and then also number zero Josiah Stewart was just destroying the Kansas. Offensive line all night, three and a half sacks and three and a half tackles for loss. So, Coastal pushed minus 27. Now, I know a lot of people had minus 26 and a half that they cashed. So, good for those people. But uh, ESPN had it at 27. So, over 52, easy. Thank you to Kansas. All right, uh, Boise State. Rolling after their loss to UCF week one. Uh, they got UTEP. Just destroyed them. <laughs> Hank Bachmeyer again having a, having a solid game. Uh, Hardison not so much for the uh, minors. But, uh, yeah, no, not much of a running game for either team in this one. I don't really know where Van Buren has been um, because last season Van Buren was a significant part of the offense. Now they did add um, Cyrus Habibi Lokio from Oregon. Right. And George Halani didn't play in the first game. So... More of a committee backfield, I guess, now for the the Broncos instead of just a one-man show like Andrew Van Buren did last year. But, again, my guy, uh, Khalil Shakir, is, is my guy for, from Boise State. He's the guy I, I love seeing every time I watch a Boise State game, and he balled out again. Jacob Cowing, he is... Literally the only thing that UTEP has on offense. Yeah, I mean, I was going to point that out of Gavin Hardison's 223 yards. Forgot to put he that took, on here, my bad. He <laughs> took 112 yards of that. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, not much to say about this game. Uh, Boise State covered minus 25 over 57. Again, thanks to the losing team for scoring. The first game that we all took and didn't win. Utah State rolling over North Dakota 48-24. This game was frustrating. Um, I watched the entire thing. And started out great. I mean, it was... This, the Fighting Hawks were were flying high, twenty one to seven after the first quarter. Three straight touchdown drives to open the game. Defense is playing well, and then I I really don't know what like clicked for the Aggies, but 
the defense got one stop, and then it was just Utah State from there on. Well, the one thing that <clears throat> that I was scared of, if you go back to our show on Friday, was quarterback play of North Dakota. And we talked about, well, he didn't have to do much in their first game. And I just wasn't totally sold on him, but I, was, I said it was kind of one of those pedigree picks. Know that they've been good for so long, and I believed in their defense. But his two interceptions, and when they don't get a lot going on the ground, it forces him to beat a team, and I and I just don't think he can. And it'll it'll be interesting going forward. You know, do do we see somebody else play that position, or do we just see him get better as the season goes on? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm still a big believer in Tommy Schuster. I mean, he, along with their their dual threat backfield of Otis Weya, Luke Skokna, um, and that's the thing that I got mad at with with UND in this game was that, dude, Otis Weya. There was probably about five or six of his 17 carries that he was so close. If he just got out of like a a shoestring tackle. He would have been gone um, because it seemed like a lot of times he would get through, make the first guy miss, and then the last line of defense would get him. And it's just like, damn, he, like, he just couldn't make that that last guy miss. But, uh, yeah, reigning Missouri Valley Football Conference champs, doing that in their first year in the conference in the spring was uh, pretty significant, so... They're a good football team. It was a tough atmosphere in, uh, what was it, Lo- Logan? Is that what it is? Logan, Utah? Yeah. Yeah. It's Logan, Utah. And the Missouri Valley Conference is a good football conference. Yeah. And, uh, also, I mean, this thing I was a late, late game <laughs> because it got delayed from Lightning originally. Twice it got delayed for Lightning. Then when they were ready to get back on the field, the lights went out in the stadium. <laughs> so they had to wait for those to come back on, and then they finally got it kicked off. So there's a lot of waiting around, but, uh, yeah. The overall, I mean, Utah State had 621 yards of total offense, 439 for North Dakota. How about uh, – Only 65 rushing for North Dakota. How about linebacker? Justin Rice for Utah State. Nine tackles, only four solo, one tackle for loss, but both interceptions. Yep. Yeah, Rice had had a good game. <clears throat> I loved that uh, North Dakota was like, F it, dude. We're, we're just going to throw everything we can. They ran, I think it was three different trick plays. One they scored on was the Philly special play. Um, and then they also ran another um double pass i think there's one more too that i don't remember but yeah they were they were like well it's fcs versus fbs you know we got to try something to win this thing in a hostile environment so uh utah state covered minus six and a half over 54 all right let's get saturday all right, let's do it. Upset alerts. I was, dude, I, oh, my God. I was almost so excited about this game, dude. Army beats Western Kentucky 38-35 to stay undefeated. 
And dude, the thing is, is Bailey Zappi now, he's played two games. The man has 11 total touchdowns, 10 in the air, and one on the ground. And like almost 1,000 yards. Almost. Over a, uh, yeah, yeah. Over. I, think, I think he has, it's probably... 839, probably close to, It's probably close to 900-something. He, I mean, he does everything. He lays it out on the line. I, I do give him that. And about what we expected, like Chris and I, we were taking military schools, but Army is is a, a good military program, if, 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 that, if you can say that. They're tough. You know what you're going to get, but they just do it so well. Yeah, I mean, it was the, – the biggest issue was that Western Kentucky – could not stop the offense all day. Um, I think they got maybe two stops all day. Um, one was crucial because it, it allowed them to, to come back and um, make it a three-point game like they did. That was right at the end there um, where Army kicked the field goal to go up by 10. And um, But, yeah, again, this was sort of – like how the North Dakota game went, though, because I thought it was it was fine. I mean, Army went up 14-0, but from that point on, I, I felt pretty good with Western Kentucky. They were trailing, but um, they were scoring because they got yeah. to 21-14 after the second quarter at halftime. So it was just the fact that Army twice had – two consecutive touchdown drives whereas western kentucky or two unanswered touchdown drives where western kentucky only got that once um and that was after they were already down by 21 and they were trying to um come back there it's still remarkable to me that when you see a stat sheet between any especially army like no hundred yard receivers your quarterback went over 100 yards. The other team dominates it, but it, like I said, it's like Novocaine. They they don't they have a tendency not to turn the ball over. They chunk up enough yards to get into field goal range, and they just wear on you. And sometimes it's not exciting to watch, but it gets the job done. Well, I think when I was watching this game, it did look like because I know I think we said this last season that. Army and Navy needed to take some stuff from Air Force because Air Force has started to go towards the go the Coastal Carolina route a little bit, not to the extent that Coastal does it, but it's more of a it's more of a spread uh, spread triple option where it's still under center, but they pass it more than what they used to, and I think that's how Army is sort of starting to go um i would even say like the 22 carries they weren't all designed 22 carries if that mm-hmm. makes sense where in the past it was going to be designed where we're going to throw it five times with you running it 30 times i know one thing dude jacoby buchanan is a freaking beast i mean six one two sixty. that's big that is big. <laughs> he's, he's He's built, that's for sure. Big number 33 running right downhill. Um, Jarrah Stearns, again, uh, a marvelous game from him. 
And actually, Stearns, along, they said this during the game, it was four total Houston Baptist, three players, and the offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach from Houston Baptist is now the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky, along with three offensive players, all came over. I forget who the third one is, but Bailey Zappi, Jarrah Stearns, that's why they've had such a great connection in the first two games. Some players, right? Yeah, and that they because they already had that connection from Houston Baptist the last uh, three years. So, yeah. Uh, Western did cover though, plus six uh, over fifty-two. And before we move on, just want to say back-to-back weeks, uh, not just the Army offense getting it done. Andre Carter has been a ha- wreaking havoc. Um, in two games, I believe he has five total sacks. Three and a half last week, one and a half this week. I'd want to go knock some doors down with him in the military for sure. <laughs> All right, upset central. Number 12, Oregon, into the horseshoe, beating I'm number done. four, Ohio State, 35-28. to 28. Was Speaking of well. big backs, how about Oregon's running back, 5'8", 211, 211 pounds. Guys, I'm 5'8", and at my heaviest when I was working out in the military and stuff, I was like 179, 180. Yeah, he's, he's my uh, – well, he's taller than me, but, uh, I mean, 5'6", 200. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, C.J. Verdell went all over the Ohio State offense, defense. And, again, though, he he was definitely a lot better. I didn't watch necessarily the first Oregon game. I watched this in game in he entirety. Was better, but he's not a world beater. Yes, and that, that, but the thing is they don't ask him to be in how they want right. to run the offense. They want to run the offense through C.J. Verdell um, and Travis Dye. And that's what exactly Even, what they did. My my big takeaways from these this game, which I'm sure people have heard probably if you watch any sports centers and stuff in the morning. The one thing that I they didn't really point out that I will, even on the Anthony Brown when he rolled out to the left and for the first or I think it was the first touchdown, he looks really awkward when he gets out of the pocket and then throws. I mean, he was so wide open he couldn't miss it. And that's why I know how their team is designed, but when you get into that college football playoff, if they get there right, and I have them as a six team and they might move up now, I don't know how they will do against a – this is not an elite defense and it was only one one-score game. Secondly, they beat Ohio State running the same play. <laughs> yeah. They times. really did like three times. They three times they ran it in a row, and then they had one variation of it. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that until they stop it. And what I will say is, when I was watching it, the issue of Ohio State's defense is their linebacker would go and pull up to where the safety was supposed to cover, and then the safety was left filling linebacker spot or the or the safety would go up and the linebacker would go out and it's just you, you're going to see it in the film room this week and they've got to fix that and have better com- communication and someone on that defense on the field has to become like a huge communicator 
and they're not Penn State like linebacker university, but you can name a bunch of people from A.J. Hawk and stuff that have been good anchors on a good Ohio State defense, and they just don't have that right now. Yeah, that's the thing. They drafted – they got three – all three starters got drafted this year from, from last season at the linebacker position. Um, so, yeah, there's there's absolutely no way Ohio State is even winning the Big Ten with their defense continuing to, to play this way. Um, because even when they go up against Penn State, who is – I would think their biggest competition in the East. Um, Penn State has explosive; they have explosive receivers as well. Um, but Penn State's defense has been playing lights out for two weeks. Um, now, granted, Ohio State, I think, sort of gets lucky. I I would say because Penn State goes through a gauntlet before they get to Ohio State where they have to host Auburn and then go to Iowa and then they play at Ohio State. So maybe they'll get a break and get a tired Penn State team um, when they host them in about a well, month. But This has nothing to do with stats. The last two things I have about this game is Oregon – theoretically had wasn't it their two best players out we know their best player was out wasn't there another their two best players and they walk into columbus i mean and i like ryan days you know what he has to say after this is this is not going to get it done we should be worried and i appreciate that so i guess before we go my question would be looking at the one loss teams that have been in the college football playoffs the most who do you think, if they can win out, has a better shot, Clemson or Ohio State? By far, Clemson. I mean, because of what we saw week one. Clemson has a I'm defense. Just saying, I'm, I, I'm just saying if they both win out. I think the Big Ten right now, though, is a better league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I don't think Ohio State wins out. I do think Clemson does win out in the, in the ACC. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at Ohio State's going back to what their schedule. I mean, they have to go to Indiana, who they struggled with last year. Yep. Um, like I said, they host Penn State. And then, uh, you know, you have the game at the end of the year at Michigan this year. And we, we've seen Michigan be a lot better this season. That could, be, that could save Harbaugh's job this year, you know? And even I, – I wouldn't discount – Having to travel to Rutgers with, oh, with he, what Greg Schiano Schiano has put together. Is, Greg Schiano is familiar with Ohio State. I mean, I guarantee you that could be a pitfall. And then, and just, and then yeah. also, uh, you know, they host two sneaky ones is my my favorite sleeper in the Big Ten. You know, the fighting Dave Muiz of Maryland and Talia Tagovailoa. Uh, they have a pretty explosive offense. And then they host Michigan State as well. And we've seen Mel Tucker put together a big big gut. Do you think game. they have three losses at the end of the season? I could see it. I mean, the thing is, is they they host their harder games. Um, That's true. Like Penn State's their, by far their hardest game. And they, it's at Ohio State. But, like, I mean, we just saw Oregon beat them at Ohio State. So, 
I think uh, the biggest one is going to be how does Michigan look at the end of the season and how will they play against Ohio State when it's in Ann Arbor um, the last week of the season. So, um, I really want to break this news right now because I just got it on the phone, but we're going to wait till we get to the NCAA <laughs> news segment because I know you just got it on your phone too. We need to go to the next game, though, because this is the team that I think is, is a, could wreck havoc on anyone's schedule. Um, I think Georgia should circle this right now. All right. Oregon covered plus 14.5 under 65. Barely. Auburn is scary good on offense. Number 25, Auburn shutting out Alabama State. Roll this dismantling the yellow jackets uh 62 nothing <laughs> and i told bo nix to have a day and he didn't um <laughs> i thought he would have a better day tank bigsby though he did listen to me and he did have a good day <laughs> i look at auburn the same way that maybe would they look at the same, the quarterback position at oregon where with Gus Malzahn, they wanted him to do a bunch, right? Right now, they're just asking him to do, you know, just just do enough because we have enough speed in the backfield that we will take care of it and our defense will smother everybody. Now, the competition hasn't been great. Let's talk about that. But if you at any time can put up 60-plus in back-to-back weekends against anybody – you're a tough team. Yeah, I don't recall what the stat was, but I did see something about that that you just mentioned. They they did that for the first time in a in a few years, sixty plus back to back. Yeah, I mean, expected it. it like I said, um, before we started previewing games on Friday, this was cupcake weekend around the country for the majority of the uh, top twenty five. And it's uh, exactly what this one was. I did not know that Demetrius Robinson transferred to Auburn, though, however. Um, not until I saw that. That's going to be an issue, possibly, for Georgia. But, I, I mean, he's not a he's not a world beater, but that's fine. We'll beat him. I just, looking at our schedule, and not to look ahead at other teams, but... Georgia's got a favorable schedule this year. I think Arkansas, though, and Auburn are going to be much tougher than what people expected at the beginning of the season. And we've seen this at Boise State where they can put up some points. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Harson. A um, couple special touchdowns here. Roger McCreary, 35-yard pick six off of Ryan Nettles. Um, and then also Nehemiah Pritchett had an 80-yard blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. Auburn covered. They did cover. They did cover. Minus 49 and a half. Um, and then over 60 by themselves. <laughs> we talked about that. That's pretty funny. A lot of big numbers this week. All right. A lot of One of my – this was – like I said, I think I said on Friday – previewing this game, I thought this would be one of my favorite games of the weekend, and it was. Pitt taking down Tennessee in Knoxville. 41-34. No. to 31, 34. 
And our boy Kenny Pickett, dude, he balled. Played his butt I mean, off. I he he did in a sense he did. I don't know if I would use the word ball. I like he it. did exact, he did exactly what he needed to do. He he got a touchdown with his legs. He threw two in the air. I would have liked for him to go twenty eight of thirty six or thirty of thirty six. But you're on the road. It is an SEC defense, and that's exactly, in my opinion, why they won. And exactly what we talked about. Joe Milton is not a good quarterback, y'all. Now, does that mean that he's better than me? He's still better than me because I didn't play Division One quarterback football. Yeah, I mean, I still, before I knew Hendon Hooker was there as well. You uh, said something about Hooker, Hendon Hooker being better than Milton. I, yeah, I mean, Hendon Hooker, just from what I remember watching him at Virginia Tech, is definitely better than Joe Milton. Uh, for one, we saw it on uh, each quarterback had one long run. Uh, right. Granted, both looked pretty fast. I think Hendon Hooker's still faster. And you can see in the passing statistics, Hendon Hooker, much better passer um, efficiency-wise. And, I mean, he got more yards, had more throws, but got the ball in the end zone at least. Um, turned it over twice, which is an issue for both quarterbacks. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's either got to be Hendon Hooker or before they got these transfers, the guy that played last year as a freshman, I think he was last year, Harrison Bailey. <laughs> that had a game against us, didn't yeah. he? yeah. Harrison Bailey. Yeah. He looked good when we were when, – yeah. What I like about Kenny Pickett going – you know, I shouldn't say didn't ball out. What I like about him, and I like that other ACC coaches and even quarterbacks respect him, because when all this hype was on Sam Howell, Sam Howell was like, you all need to give attention to Kenny Pickett, who's been in this league and Pittsburgh has always been a tough team. He spreads it around to everybody. You see, like, these uh, these other games we've been talking about where 122 yards of it goes to one person on 223 yards. He, he distributes the ball, and those are the characteristics that I like when, when you're looking at someone to go to the next level. Yeah, this is another game that um, no there, there weren't really any – Great rushing performances, a um, lot of committee stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, the passing game was, was there for Pitt. I was kind of disappointed by Narduzzi's defense, giving up 34 um, to an offense I that I didn't think would, was that great. I didn't think they would give up 34 in this game. But I think I think the issue was that they had was the running quarterbacks. Um, they They had issues with covering them, so... But, yeah, um, Theo Jackson for Tennessee, what a defensive performance he had as a defensive back, 11 tackles, seven solos, one sack, two tackles for loss, pass deflection, and a quarterback hurry. I will say, even though they have, like, the, the, the running quarterbacks right now, Heupel has got Tennessee more competitive in two games than they have, what, the last five seasons? Yeah. I mean, honestly. 
And I know, I know you want to say that the pit defensive lineman's name. I know you want to, Mark. Um. <laughs> Balandano. Yeah, Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk Baldonado. Uh, good performance with two sacks as well there. It's like the book in the Bible. They call it Habakkuk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you also have Israel Ab- Abaniconda. Um, love that name, Abaniconda for, for Pitt, um, running the ball. Pitt covered minus three and a half over 56, barn burner there. Uh, all right, let's go to Florida's second straight battle of Florida. This was the, they said this was the first time in a, in a while that they've faced two Florida schools to open the season that weren't Miami or Florida State. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, this was this was my lock game, and I'm mad that they gave up 20 points. <laughs> Number 13, Florida rolling over USF, 42 to 20. Um, is there a quarterback issue at Florida? Is there? Because I, I, I think there could be. I, well, I think there is. Anytime that someone comes on commentating and going, "Well, he just did what what no other quarterback besides Tebow has done." At, in the SEC, I think that there's a quarterback issue. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Richardson threw the ball three times and still got one more yard than Emory Jones did passing the ball. He looked natural, dude. He also looked- had a fantastic uh, – how long was it? Let me get to the game here. A 80-yard touchdown run as well. Uh, so yeah, he his three touchdowns were forty-one yards through the air, and eight, uh, seventy-five yards through the air, and an eighty on the ground. But I'm I'm confused on why he threw a touchdown in the first quarter, and then he played in the in the third. Well, no, he threw touchdowns in the first and second, and then his 80-yard touchdown run was in the fourth. So, I don't know if they're running a two-quarterback system at Florida or if they're maybe thinking that Emory Jones isn't it, like they thought he was going to be. I didn't get to – I watched bits and pieces of it, if that makes sense. But every time I flipped it on – Richardson was in. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to see what Dan Mullen's doing uh, once this guy, week. It had to be a two-quarterback. They, they better figure it out this weekend, though, because there yeah, is a there is a, a, a number one Crimson Tide team that is rolling in to Florida this weekend. Um but it's so the they same, better figure it out real quick. It's the same thing <laughs> that Saban said. We better we better figure it out. We gonna get shook. <laughs> I maybe say- maybe maybe Dan Mullins did this on purpose leading up to this game. Like, hey, you have to prepare for two quarterbacks. That's kind of the way that I read into it. Not well, that Saban is not familiar with that, but I mean, I don't think it matters because. In my mind, both quarterbacks do the same things. They're both very good at running the ball. And, 
like we've seen in a much smaller uh, sample size, Anthony Richardson is better at throwing the ball. Right. So. And it doesn't matter what you do if uh, Alabama guys are bigger than you and just live in your backfield. Yeah. Uh, they better hope that their offensive line can hold up, um, which not many can against Alabama. Jacob Copeland, though, he caught both of Anthony Richardson's touchdown passes for 75 and 41 yards, like I said. Really good game for him. And what I will say for USF, though, is much improved. <laughs> You went from scoring zero and giving up 45 to NC State last week and, uh, and giving up three points less and scoring 20 this week. So it's constantly building, right, Mark? <laughs> That's the motto, right? It's a marathon. It's a journey. All right. Uh, USF did cover, plus 29, and uh, over 57. Nothing defensively really to talk about in that game. Uh, oh, Wyoming. Another, man, Chris won some lone wolves, man. I'm telling you. Wyoming beat NIU 50-43. to 43. I was so disappointed because I went in live. I went in live on NIU. Um, this was when they took the lead. 43 to 42 with uh 456 to go and i was like dude one stop and we're good like you just need you just need one stop bro and and we're fine we get a first down and you run the clock out that's how you do it that did not happen sean chambers um and harrison whaley or not harrison whaley Sean Chambers and Zazavian Valaday, who is my guy. He is he is my Wyoming dude. They just destroyed the Northern Illinois defense all day. And you would say, how did Sean Chambers do that? Only throwing 204 yards. Well, they were working with short fields all day. As you can see, Rocky Lombardi threw three picks. <laughs> The same thing that you and I agreed would win this ball game, and they still had a chance to win it, is exactly why they lost. Let's say he only throws two interceptions. And it has nothing to do with the school. And I did say that he's a power five, you know, come from Michigan State, but he looked good week one. And Chris called it. You were correct. Wyoming won this. 19 of 36 is terrible, guys. I mean, and both quarterbacks didn't play good, in my opinion. Yeah. One ran a little bit more, but he still had a fumble. And it was on the – both running backs on the ground, over 100 yards. It comes down to turnovers and field position, like you already said. Yeah, it was um, Wyoming plus two in the in the turnover category. Both offenses very balanced, uh, 233 passing to 204 in, in favor of NIU, 244 rushing in favor of NIU to 191 for Wyoming. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they like you said, they had a chance. Uh, Wyoming went up seven with 135 to go. Rocky Lombardi, uh, they got the ball. They actually even got helped because I believe the – 
ensuing kickoff got kicked out of bounds. Um, so they even got the ball at the 35-yard line instead of the 25. And four and out. <laughs> it's just the, the receivers couldn't get off coverage at all in the, the final four plays that NIU had. So, But, yeah, uh, Isaiah Nayer had a, a great game for the Cowboys there. Three total touchdowns, two receiving, one rushing. And then, like I said, uh, Harrison Whaley for the Huskies is Avian Valade, both over 100 rushing yards. Um, and yet, uh, defensively, Jordan Gandy for NIU, all over the field with two tackles, three pass deflections there. So, was unfortunate. Like I said, I went in live. I was all in. I was like, bro, we're, we're, we just scored. There, there, there is there was enough time for Wyoming to score, but I was I was hoping they could get the one stop I needed. Um, and I'll say also Clint Rakovich, six for sixty three, also a touchdown, uh, three touchdowns I should say, three, yes three touchdowns uh, on the ground there. Wyoming minus seven pushed over forty five in a. High, high-scoring game, and I remember turning this on near the end because I was watching other games before that, and um, the announcer <laughs> asked the other one, he's like, coming in today, you didn't think we were going to get 93 points between these two, did you? <laughs> he's like, nope, I did not see that coming. <laughs> All right, uh, another not-so-close game. Number 19, Virginia Tech, beating Mid-Tennessee 35-14. to Once a, uh, Not as good of a game for, for Braxton Burmeister in this one, as opposed to their week one upset of North Carolina. Um, and actually, I mean, not really, there weren't any eye-popping stats for, for Tech. <laughs> There really wasn't. They just, it's one of those, you have a little bit bigger, faster, stronger players, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, Mid-Tennessee was in it uh, at halftime. It was 13, uh, 14 to 6, 14 to 7 at halftime. So, like, like we're in it, dude. <laughs> we're right there. And then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, three straight touchdowns. By Virginia Tech, two in the third, one in the early fourth, and then they didn't score their second touchdown for Mid Tennessee until 27 seconds to go. I like Jimmy Marshall for Middle Tennessee. You know, racking up 111 yards of of his uh, Bailey Hopkins 207 yards. Yeah, I think what really mattered in the game because. When you look at the statistics, very close in almost every single category except for one. That's rushing yards. Uh, um, Tech ran for 224 at 5.7 per clip, but only 66 uh, for the Blue Raiders. And uh, that was 1.8 per carry. Linebacker DQ Thomas, Middle Tennessee, on losing effort, 11 tackles, 10 solo, one sack, one tackle for their loss. Did all he could on the defensive side of the ball. That he did. 
Uh, Virginia Tech, though, are they now the sole contenders against Clemson? Hundred percent. I mean, they're the only two and zero ranked team in the. Or no, they're not. Well, yeah, they I mean, are. They're, record, they're the only two and zero ranked team in the ACC. Record and record, it is. But you know, can UNC get better? Can Miami maybe do something? Depends on. Well, I haven't looked at their full schedule. Either. Yeah. They might not play Miami. And we already know what they have in that atmosphere in Blacksburg. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, they they have they have a gauntlet coming up though. Luckily for them, this is where the, this is where scheduling luck comes in. They host Notre Dame. They host Pitt, and they host Syracuse. <laughs> uh, their hardest road game is their final two uh, at Miami and at Virginia. Um, obviously, maybe you'll be like, oh, well, Virginia's not that hard. It's Virginia, Virginia Tech. It is a tough game. Virginia's <laughs> 2 0, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. And also, I mean, actually, they go to West Virginia this weekend, um, and West Virginia's actually favored right now two. by three. So, see how that goes. Uh, Virginia Tech covered minus 20 under. 55. All right. So we had a lot of points in, in a lot of the first couple of games. Let's not go as, to one that we did not have very many points in. But what was the difference? The defense and Greg Schiano's <laughs> defense. I told you. Rutgers. Undefeated Rutgers. Beating Syracuse in the Dome. 17-7. to uh, Nick Vedral. Very efficient. Very, very efficient. Almost 80% there. But, yeah, dude, the defense is, especially Rutgers, was fantastic in this game. Um, Not a lot of output offensively from anyone besides 100-yard receiver for for Syracuse, Taj Harris. But that goes back to Greg Schiano just being a defensive guy. Yeah, and uh, if you look at the team stats... Rutgers, plus five in the turnover differential. Four fumbles and one pick. Four fumbles? Shoot! <laughs> and, and they only beat them by ten. That's the issue. Well, I don't know, though, because I don't know if they actually had four fumbles. There's no way. Because it shows on, Ruck, on, on Syracuse's stats that only Tommy DeVito and Taj Harris lost their fumbles. The other two, it doesn't say whether they lost or not. Well, they fumbled it, but they they regained possession. So well, they dropped. But it would have said if they recovered, but it doesn't say it doesn't have a one in the recovery column. So, but I don't know. You know, you never know. So maybe at the very least they were plus three though, because Rutgers didn't turn it over at all. So difference in the game. <clears throat> Yeah, because uh, Rutgers actually had under 200 yards of total offense, 195 to 265 for Syracuse. Neither team could run the ball. And, 
How about uh, terrible third wanna, down efficiency as well? A total of you want to uh, say, say his name though, because he had a big day on defense for Rutgers. What Olakunle Fatukasi? There you go. <laughs> his brother uh, in the league. Yep. I don't remember what his brother's name is because his brother has one of those hard names too. So, and I don't remember which team he's on because he's been on a couple. Um, but yeah, uh, the third down efficiency was just terrible. Like I said, uh, total between between the two teams, between the two teams combined, five for twenty nine. <laughs> uh, that is a. 17.2% third down conversion rate combined. Oh, my God. They were pretty good on fourth down, though. Uh, three That's for, why you three have for a 17-7 score, though. Three for five on fourth down combined. So, <clears throat> Yeah, loved seeing the Rutgers defense in this one. I had Rutgers minus two and a half, so um, definitely got that done. And Rutgers did cover that, like I said, minus two and a half, uh, way under 50. Interesting next game. Number eight, Notre Dame stays undefeated, but 32 to 29 against Toledo. And this is two. This is two in a row, dude, against unranked teams. Now, both are really good, decent teams. Florida State and Toledo at Florida State last week. This one was in South Bend this week, though. And they were actually losing 29-24 with 135 to go. Only took them 30 seconds for Jack Cohn to get them down the field and score a touchdown to go up, um, which was an intriguing story itself. If uh, you saw that video, Mark. That's what I was <laughs> going to bring up, like. I just love that he was like, fix the finger, go back under center, throw a game-winning touchdown. The dude is just he, – he's a tough individual. There's a lot to unpack from this game, but not enough because Toledo isn't in the big picture. They're finding ways to win, which I respect that, if that makes sense. Everybody's going to put – pressure on who they have played and why it's close. Well, I want some of these close games. You you find out characters of your team. If I'm Brian Brian Kelly, I think that's a good thing. And they've seen they've shown some heart and they've shown some tenacity. My question is, you got three for three from Tyler Buckner and seven carries for sixty eight yards. Do you is there even question who your quarterback is, though, after you saw the dislocated finger and the winning drive? No, there's not. Um, however, they did drop four spots in the AP poll this week because of the close loss, or close win, I should say. And that's the thing. Like, they're they're not going to be consistently they playing. They have a tough schedule this year. Look at their schedule. Yes, after after this week it's tough. Um, unless unless I'm going to uh, just like throw a drink in Purdue's face right now, which I might. Um, <laughs> Purdue's a two and O team too. So uh, 
But I'm just – after all, that, guess, after not, that though, is a freaking five-team gauntlet. In my opinion, it's a gauntlet. I mean, other people have said that it's not, but – Yeah. They play Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Uh, <laughs> they host Cincinnati. That'll be an intriguing story with the former Cincinnati defensive coordinator running the defense for Notre Dame. If they're undefeated, I'm, I might have to pick Cincinnati on that one because of the quarterback. And they got to go into Blacksburg, like we already talked yeah. about. And then yeah. even even USC, US, USC, USC, USC coming coming to South Bend, which we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and then they host UNC as well. Um, when I when I say they have a tough schedule, they like being independent. You're always going to start off. Even Florida State's a Power Five, right? And Toledo is is not a Power Five, but it it's not. They're a top MAC team, though. Yeah, but it's not a it's it's not a Missouri State, right? Yeah. So being an independent gives you the ability to schedule this way. And when people say, "Well, they're not in the conference," if you really were the AD or Brian Kelly, you can make your schedule worse than an SEC team because you're not going to get a Vanderbilt in your schedule if you schedule it right, mm-hmm. even though Vanderbilt won this week. Um, I will say, though, two games in, I've not been impressed by Kyron Williams this year. No. And- I thought he was going to be a star like he was last year. I mean, granted, he's running for five per per carry in this game, but he put the ball on the ground, um, had hasn't over 100 total yards, which is good. Hasn't found the end zone. He did in this game. Um, but it just doesn't seem like – people are talking about Jack Cohn with this team on offense a lot more than they are Kyron Williams this year, unlike last year where it was all Kyron Williams talk, really. Um, even when they had Ian Book last year. Bryant Kobach, though, on the other hand, for the Rockets, 122 yards on the ground, one touchdown. He didn't put the ball on the ground. And then uh, Devin Maddox as well, 135 on nine catches. Michael Mayer continues to be the leading receiver for Notre Dame every week at the tight end position. He's just a monster. I mean, <laughs> he's Where big. He go? He's got to be a first-round draft pick. I don't know what year he is, but... Uh, and yeah, defensively, for for how many points that were scored in this one, there was a lot of solid defensive performances, I will say that. Um, Chris McDonald for Toledo had a pick six off Jack Cohn. And then uh, Myron Tagovailoa Amosa for Notre Dame with two sacks, two tackles lost, QB hurry. Before you ask, Mark, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hear the same last name as I don't know. I hear it's I would a assume. I hear it's a football family. But then, like you have the Amosa hyphenated on there, so I don't know, you know, how the relation works in that regard. I think that he actually married their sister. Don't don't they have a sister? I have no clue. I only oh. I only knew Tua and Talia. I think there was like an E60 thing. I got to look this up. Keep talking. I got to look who. There's some connection there. Um, but, yeah. 
Notre Dame got the win. You know what, though? Good teams may not win, but great teams cover. <laughs> and that's exactly what Toledo did. Uh, big spread, plus 16.5, over 56. All right. <laughs> Good dogs. <laughs> Number two, Georgia, 56-7, trouncing of UAB. First home game this year for the Dogs. Um, JT Daniels is out in this one, still dealing with that oblique strain. And I told you, Mar I asked you on Friday. I was like, what? When I said JT Daniels out, I was like, what, you don't want, you don't want Stetson? And he said, he said, F you, Mark. I'm going I'm to put up bombs, dude. <laughs> he, was, he was dropping bombs all day long dude 10 of 12 288 five touchdowns a perfect quarterback rating of 100 also ran a, a, a 20 yard uh carry he, there the game was out of question in the first quarter <laughs> which you don't always as a dog fan that's not always something you see if that makes sense depending on who it doesn't matter who you're playing cupcake or not we got out. We got some long plays. I think I – I don't know if I said it on this air, but at the tailgate I said, this is probably going to be one of those ground-and-pound, regular <laughs> UGA games that we're just used to and we wear them down. Nope. <laughs> game over, and I loved every second of it. I loved being out tailgating again. Uh, let, uh, not, not a lot of people in Athens, guys. Like, we drove around. We had the kids on their little uh, <laughs> campus and stuff. We went to the dog walk. The dog walk was about normal, but the tailgating scene was not what I expected. So I don't know what to think about that. But we took care of business on the field. Yeah, Munkin had his uh, offense rolling real, real quick. Uh, I was disappointed. This should have been a shutout. But yep. Carson yep. Beck, who... Had a horrendous game um, <laughs> from, <laughs> I mean, like the announcers are saying, though, when Stetson did what Stetson did, it is very tough for Carson Beck to come in and replicate that, um, and he wasn't even close. Um, threw a pick six late in the game. But it's okay, because who's our DC again? Our DC? Yeah. Munkin? Or no, RDC? Defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator? Defense. Um, Dan, what's his name? Why am I drawing the blank? Dang it. Lang, Langen? He is related to Tag and Tag's brother at Maryland. Um, but anyways, what I would be saying in the defensive room is, yo, guys. We're through two, and we're giving up one and a half points per game on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> Regardless of what the score says, the defense has only given up three through two. Uh, so, yeah. Again, I was left wanting more from the rushing game, um, and Zamir White specifically. You can't. I don't. I just. 4.9 is not a bad average. By the way, that's Tag Tag's uh, cousin. And then 
I wanted to say Dan Campbell for some reason. Dan Lanning is our defensive coordinator. I knew it was an L. But, yeah, uh, Tyler Johnston struggled mightily, as you would expect, um, against the Georgia defense. Um, and, and Brock Bowers, man, he continues to, to, to be hey, the Brock guy. Bowers, I, don't, I don't know that we – I'm not going to take anything away from our tight, our, our tight ends from the past. I don't think that we've utilized them or even looked uh, to. Even though I read this article before the season, which I think Kirby tried to save face, saying, I've always wanted good tight ends because we've always had good running backs, and in the NFL they go hand-in-hand and blah-blah-blah fluff. He's good, but he's built like all the other ones we've had, but we're finally using him, if that makes sense. Craziest thing about Brock Bowers, he's a freshman. (laughs) Here, here, here would be my question. We have, we, we're known, you know, we have this argument, right, that we're running back university. Give or take, Alabama is right in that discussion too, and they have some Heisman's to 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 push us back. Do we have too many running backs that they can't get into a groove? I'm starting to believe that that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like that, considering how it used to be, where, you know, it was, all right, Swift's yeah, the guy. One and two. Michelle yeah, is the two. guy. Um, right. The thing is, I I feel like Zeus can be. It's just he doesn't – it feels like an Adrian Peterson type of situation where you need to get – 15 carries at least in a game to, to actually make an impact. Maybe that's an issue, but I would definitely... It's too early, I guess, to even... I would definitely keep... Uh, I, I like James Cook. I think you can not give as many carries to uh, Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh. Um, I think... A one-two punch of Zamir White and James Cook is enough because James White is more the receiving back. Um, or James Cook. I said James White. James White, not the NFL guy. James Cook, Dalvin's little brother. Um, so, yeah. And we have we have a special dude as well. Arian Smith is a burner. A bona fide track burner. <laughs> So, yeah. Let's keep using them. Um, two pick sixes in this one. Keandre Swoops, the only score for the Blazers. And then uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, 20-yard pick six as well. Never heard of the kid, unfortunately. <laughs> but that was like our third string defense in at that point. So, yeah. Uh. Georgia covered minus 22 and a half and over 44. And my phone doesn't want to load. Dogs have, uh, who do we got next? South Carolina, 7 p.m. Solid. South Carolina, I don't like them. 
the only one that broke my heart. The only only Georgia game that I went to at home that we lost. So Hey, if we don't play them at noon, we're usually okay. Yeah. 31-point favorites for the dogs right now. Which is kind of ridiculous considering they were only 22.5-point favorites in this game. That's high. All right. Low-scoring game again. Number five, Texas A&M. Barely beating Colorado 10-7. to um, Nice. My gosh. Yeah. I was yep. concerned. Texas A&M didn't Jimbo. take the lead until um, 2.41 to go in the game. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to win this. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. It didn't look good, like I said, for a long time. Uh, seven to three at halftime for Colorado, and then, like I said, two forty-one to go in the game is when they scored a touchdown. We'll talk about. Well, if we talk about that now, we can skip it during NCAA news. If you want to do that, let's um, go. Let Let's go. So. Yeah, they, they didn't have their starter for almost the entire game. Haynes King got injured in the in the beginning of the game. Um, I have it here. A fractured ankle. So, I mean, with the college season only being 12 weeks, regular season, possibly the entire season. Maybe he gets back for the last game or two. But they're going to be rolling with Zach Calzada and that looked, might be a problem. <laughs> he looked terrible. He did. He did win him the game, though. I, I mean, you got to give him that. He he threw the game-winning touchdown pass. Or Isaiah Spiller won him the game. <laughs> Either way, let's whichever one you want to go off of. <laughs> the thing is, though, Spiller has not gotten it done. I I kind of have the same feeling about Spiller that I do for. Um, Kyron Williams with Notre Dame. Not on the ground, but... Yeah, he's been a receiving... He's been a PPR monster. Uh, Devin Achain has really gotten the the better share of the carries. Um, and the opportunities. On the ground, anyways. I think the one thing that I struggle with... With Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M is he hasn't figured out the quarterback position. And I, and this it's not because of this injury. Does that make sense? It's it's the years past. Like Kellen Mond would look good, and then he wouldn't look good. And Isaiah Spiller looked great, and now he's only one dimensional, like you're talking about. And so I think that all stems from the quarterback position. You either have to recruit someone that's just going to be generational, or you got to change what you're doing on offense. Yeah. Because I see Spiller is talented. And if, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird there. It's weird there. And they keep giving him a bunch of money. So does he have something on someone that is going to make Texas A&M burn? Or do they really believe in what he's doing? What I will say, um, I'll say one last thing on A&M, and then I'll get to the Buffaloes. Uh, my guy, Jalen Weidermeyer, I mean, he is a 
top five tight end in the country, continues to produce even with the lack of quarterback play. Yeah. Two things for Colorado, though. Um, Brendan Lewis, I understand. It's it's a tough situation for Brendan Lewis because he is a freshman, I believe. Yes. I believe he's a true freshman, too. I don't, I don't think he's a redshirt. Granted, ESPN doesn't specify. Get that, get that figured out, ESPN. Like, put your people on the thing and say, okay, figure out who's a redshirt, who's not, and update the, the freaking player profiles. Please. Uh, so it makes our show better. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> but that, you know, it was terrible. I mean, he, he his stats look like true freshman stats. If the first read's not there, he runs the ball like he has for nine carries and 76 yards. Um, the other thing is defensively, one of – I don't know if he's necessarily in the top – regarded in the in the top of the – on the linebackers, but Nate Landman uh, for Colorado has been a stud for the last two seasons and continues to be so uh, for the Buffaloes. And I believe he's a – I don't want to get it wrong. Wasn't he like an Army transfer? Something? No, maybe not. I don't know. I think he – I think when I see him, like I, when I watched Colorado last year, he just looks like he would be like a freaking Marine <laughs> because he's so big and uh, like just he, – he looks like a beast, and he is. My guy Jarek Broussard didn't didn't do enough, um, unfortunately. Still love him though. No, he's not. He is. He was born though in South Africa. That's he it. looks like a rugby player somewhat. He, I think he, he was. I think he was. Yeah, I think he's, he's older. A, I think he's older too. I don't. Th- I think he's like twenty-seven, something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Colorado did cover plus seventeen, way under fifty. Okay, Mark, you can start talking about this next one. I'm gonna get a bottle of water real quick. But number seven, Cincinnati continued to roll forty-two-seven over Murray. Ritter, fourteen of twenty-two for two hundred forty-three yards, two touchdowns. Didn't have to do what he usually does. You know, we had to go downfield last week, long, long throws to, to get that spread. Cincinnati took care of it on defense. We saw uh, linebacker Joel DeBlanco with eight tackles, half a sack, two tackles for a loss, and one quarterback hurry. I think I was more impressed with, you know, Cincinnati not relying on Desmond Ritter to do everything and letting their defense – dictate this ball game if that makes sense maybe maybe i watched it a little bit differently but i watched it you know they three interceptions and i just was more impressed with that side of the ball compared to the first week yeah um joel joel dublanco had had a solid performance defensively for the bearcats but yeah my my thing was is there were a lot of people concerned about this game it was seven to seven at halftime. It was. It was. I did watch it. It was uh, seven. 
Yeah, 35 straight unanswered in, in the second half. And actually, it was 7 nothing Murray State early um, in the second quarter. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's it's nice that, you know, they lost Garrett Dokes to the NFL. But Jerome Ford has stepped up mightily in his, in his place this season and kind of taken the reins. And now they have that dual threat. Um where they can run all their stuff. Option game is is very prevalent in the Cincinnati offense, especially with um, the the dual threat that Devin Ritter, uh, Desmond Ritter is, and uh, Jerome Ford is is a big part of that, as we see with the hundred yard performance you know, me, and three touchdowns. Me giving props to the defense when you have someone you know one hundred thirteen yards and three touchdowns. As a quarterback, that relieves what you have to do all game as well. So the run game and the defense, I, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I was disappointed. Um, <laughs> the tight end that caught a touchdown from Evan Prater um, for Cincinnati, I was disappointed by his first name um, and how it was spelled. I was really hoping that it would be P-E-Y-T-O-N. <laughs> Um, Peyton Singletary that way. Um, then you'd have Peyton Manning and Mike Singletary there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not spelled that way. They probably, they probably didn't want want to do it my way um, because of that meaning. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, Cincinnati got it together though. Murray State covered though, plus thirty six and a half. Just barely there. <laughs> Uh, and then actually the under hit in this one under 52 all right baby we are yes sir uh, number 11 Penn State undefeated still 44 13 trouncing a ball state Sean Clifford efficient in this one uh, got it done on the ground two touchdowns to his credit as well um, yeah, you know Noah Kane under four on the ground. That was probably the strength of Ball State's defense, but I don't know. I, I think Noah Kane is fine. He's still the clear lead back in uh, Penn State's backfield. Yeah, they uh, their defense. You know, watch the full, watch them against Wisconsin more than this game, but checked in on this game. Their defense is stout, and I don't. Why can't they win the Big Ten? Not not only are you a fan, but like, why can't they? Could it? You know, is it going to come down to 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 Iowa and in Penn State? Is is Ohio State going to be there because they figured things out? Is it is Oregon a wake up call? I think the Big Ten is an intriguing conference race for me, where down south and everybody loves SEC football in my opinion you still have Georgia and Alabama as the front runner until there's a derail there's a lot of intriguing stories in the Big Ten that I want to see play out yeah and that's the thing like Penn State's defense is very experienced Um, and it I kind of think about it in NFL terms because the transfers that they got are instant impact 
Um, especially the guy that's played amazing the first two weeks. Arnold Ebikidi, Temple transfer at the, on the defensive end. I mean, he's been a monster in the first two games. But they've also kind of gotten back to their roots as being linebacker U. Jesse Lucetta, uh, Brand- Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, those three guys. The secondary's experience as well. Joey Porter Jr., uh, mm-hmm. Tariq Castro-Fields. They also have... Um, Where's that other guy that I wanted to mention here? Uh, where'd he go? Jaquan Brisker. That's the other one. Um, those three, specifically in the secondary, have held it down very nicely in the first two games. So I'm excited. Um, I don't think I've been excited about Penn State like this in, in a little bit since they won the Big Ten Championship in 2016. So kind You're of too, uh College teams are well-known for linebackers. <laughs> I know. And it it wasn't as prevalent this weekend because they were playing at the same time. But like I kept telling people last week, like I just felt like I was watching Deja Vu when Penn State played an amazing defensive game in Wisconsin. And then that same night, Georgia plays an amazing defensive game against Clemson. So, oh. yeah, very similar teams. Um structure-wise, uh, and what they want to do. And uh, just hoping... I'm hoping that Sean Clifford is is finally got it. Because he's, he's had some highs in his first two years as a starter, and he's had some very low lows in his first two years as a starter. But the thing that's different this year is he's the guy. Will Levis transferred to Kentucky. There is no... Um, real real threat at the backup quarterback position. As you can see, they, they put in uh, Taquan Rob, Roberson at the end there. Did throw a touchdown, um, which was a nice ball to uh, Theo Johnson. But, yeah, there's, there's no real threat to come in for Sean Clifford um, if he would play poorly. So, but I think they have it now. They have... It's it's another another different offense. Um, I believe this is his third in three years as a starter. So I think they're they're getting it together on that side of the ball. And and while they are getting it together, they they're fine. Uh, the defense can hold the game down like they did against Wisconsin. That's a that's a big thing in any sport, but particularly for me for football, having consistency on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's people coming and going or offensive coordinator and schemes, something that we'll definitely talk about when we get to, to NFL games. Yeah. And I'll go back to Jesse Lucetta, uh 16-yard pick six there in this game. Uh, Penn State covered minus 22.5. It was, that was also another funny thing between my two college teams, both favored by exactly 22.5. Um, under 58 by one. <laughs> All right. This game? You know what? It was better than what I was we... so wrong, dude. I was so wrong. You were, you were pretty, 
I'm not like throwing it in your face, but you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be out of hand in the first quarter. <laughs> I talked about Lane Lane Hatcher's brother being an offensive lineman for Mercer. She went down there. He was a starting offensive lineman. And she said they had a blast. They had a blast on the field because they outplayed every expectation. Yeah, for one, did not expect Mercer to score at all. Uh, they got 14. Uh, for two, I did say it would it was going to be 35 nothing after the first quarter. Uh, <laughs> and the, th- the, the fact of the matter is, is Alabama really... I don't know if if their players were just shrugging it off because it's Mercer, um, and that's why they didn't play particularly well. And I say that, and then people are going to be like, what do you mean? Bryce Young has a 70% completion, threw for 227, three touchdowns, no picks. But I know we don't talk about quarterback rating as much. It's only... 37.1. But only 37, and I know I don't hold quarterback rating very highly, but there is a metric to quarterback and a formula that goes into that. Um, I don't know if opponent toughness is, or like strength of strength of opponent is incorporated into that or not. I feel like it would have to be, to, to be 37 with only I think- incompletions. When, you, when we look at these stats, I'm not going to take anything away from what Mercer did because that's like you're going up against a juggernaut, right? And no one believes in you whatsoever. There is we, – we talk about it, you know, me being a coach, high school and college level in basketball. Like oftentimes you play down to your level, but that's, that's what as a coach you're trying to do is not do that. That's why like Michael Jordan going 72 and 10 – in an NBA season and walking through the playoffs is amazing. And then you have the Golden State Warriors 73 and what, nine, and then they don't win the finals. That's the whole take care of business. I'm just going to talk a little bit about Mercer. Like, you're Mercer's quarterback. You're nine to 15 for two touchdowns and one interception against the number one team in the country and Nick Saban. I, I don't care who you are. I'm walking out of that state stadium feeling gangster, if that makes sense. Am I allowed to even say that? Right. You look at holding some of the out, you know, who's the running backs that come through those doors in Alabama, which is why I don't particularly look at Georgia's running back university. And even though they had seven yards average and one touchdown and a reception, you still held they're running backs under 100 yards, essentially. Yeah, no no 100-yard receiver for Alabama in this game either. Um, it was on offense for, for the Bears, it was really the Freds, <laughs> Fred Payton, Fred Davis, um, getting it done at quarterback, running back. And then I'll flip over to the, the Crimson Tide. Dude, Jace McClellan had himself a freaking day. I mean, didn't run the ball for that much, didn't only got four carries, but – Scored on the ground, scored on the in the air, and blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. You don't block that punt. It's it's what 41, 42, 14? Yeah. And what what also Mercer can take away from this? Do you know what I'm about to say, Mark? Probably not. It's an obscure thing. 
if you look at what happened against Miami week one. Oh, no, 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 no. Mercer, Mercer scored. Mercer scored one more point than Miami did against That's Alabama. That's what I wrote on my stats. <laughs> That's what I wrote on my stats. The two things I wrote on my stat was, did this become a better game than Miami? Wait, they scored another one more point than Miami. <laughs> I mean, they gave up four more than Miami did, but uh, could have realistically the the expectations were that Alabama was winning this a thousand to nothing. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Historically, if you get into the betting game, you look at Nick Saban is now one and six against the spread. When he is a fifty or more point favorite, because they don't. All right. They don't how historically put up what they should against bad teams, or, or how lower many level teams. Even have that big of a spread would be, like, there's got to be some betting guy that's like, only Nick Saban has this many games with fifty <laughs> points. There's probably only one or two other coaches with. 40 or 50. Like, 50 point favorite is ridiculous. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of a lot of books didn't even have it on the board. Like, ESPN, if you go into the, and look at the bottom of their game, they don't have a, a spread or an over-under on it. Um, but I, no. I found it on, on another site. Um, and Mercer did cover, like I said. Um, plus... Fifty-three and a half. <laughs> All right, let's go to this next game because um, it's not pretty. And and over fifty-nine and a half hit in this one, thanks to Mercer scoring twice. Sixty-two. And then uh, <clears throat> after ah. this one, bounce back for Arkansas after after we talk about this. Battle of Iowa, number ten, Iowa. Beating number nine, Iowa State, 27-17. I was very disappointed in this game, but I know you want to talk first, right? One stat is is, is just a difference. It was low scoring. It was, I watched this, right? It, I, I watched it to a certain extent that there's two, thing, two, two ways to describe this. It was like trudging in mud, if you've ever heard that expression. No one was getting anything going. And then the people that we talked about on Friday that I thought would propel this game, Brock Purdy's three interceptions lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was um, pretty fuming about this game. I, I had I just... a um, Hail Mary-type parlay going. And I hit, uh, I think I hit four out of seven before this game started. Um, and there was three games that were going on at the same time at, as the last three legs. Ended up not, luckily, you know, when, when you're doing those types of things, you're like, well... I hope something else doesn't hit because then at least it wasn't just one. And it's like, oh, if I would have went the other way on this one, I would have won. Um, 
the one game we'll get to a little bit later is one that didn't hit on the over. But, uh, yeah, I had Iowa State money line in, in the Hail Mary and um, really thought it, they had a chance at home. It's it's now 24 straight games for Iowa giving up under 24 points. I just – Which is I ridiculous. think my question is how serious of a team is Iowa? Is it one of those, like, they don't look good, but they find ways to win because of their defense? Or would they are they going to get shook by a, by a pin, you know, by a pin state? Or by an Ohio State, or where they get shook by Clemson. Like I don't. That's the I, thing. Their defense. I'll have to read their defense is elite. That, uh, is that good? It's that good. And for Iowa fans, I would caution though, because yes, the next big game is Penn State. <laughs> Because they have Kent State, Colorado State, both at Kinnick Stadium in uh, in Iowa City. But then the week before Penn State, they play on Friday. That's weird. And I know I've already said it, but they are going to Maryland on a Friday night. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I may or may not be picking Maryland that night. Who wants to go to that game? I may or may not be picking Maryland that night. Uh, that Let's show. go. UI, get us tickets. Um, but I, they, they better not be looking ahead to Penn State because Talia Tagavailoa and, and Dante Demas, or I forget his actual first name, but I know it's Demas. I know it's a D in Demas. Um they better not be looking forward to Penn State because I think Maryland could get them on a weird Friday night game. I'll be right back for the Arkansas. But yeah, uh, you know the four the four turnovers in this one, and that's what I was telling my friend. I was like, man, dude, if if they don't turn if they only turn it over twice, possibly, I, I think Iowa State would have still won. Uh, I mean. Possibly. I mean, we don't know. I was kind of concerned as well. Um, they were down by this score with... Or no, they were down 17, 27-10 in the fourth quarter with uh, about 13 minutes to go. And Hunter Deckers comes in at quarterback for the Cyclones, and I was just very concerned. I didn't know if Brock Purdy got hurt or if he was just playing bad with his three interceptions, and I was very concerned. Um, I'm like, you're down 17 in a top-10 matchup with 13 minutes to go, and you're not playing your starting quarterback. I don't understand what you're doing, Matt Campbell. Um, so that, Brees Hall putting the ball on the ground in – Inside their own 10-yard line was also a big issue. That was a um, fumble return for a touchdown by Jack Campbell there, six yards. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, it it wasn't them, really. I mean, it was 
Iowa's opportunistic defense playing very well on the road in a hostile hostile environment. Uh, the battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. Five straight wins now for Iowa in the series. So maybe maybe this game has has started to make me a believer in Iowa. And uh, Tyler Goodson didn't have a good game. I will say that, though. 2.6 average per year. And I, I still am not a believer in Spencer Petrus. It's the, the defense sets them up in very good field position. The thing is, is um, two of those, the last two drives that Iowa had resulted in field goals. Now, that might be the Iowa State defense, might be the Iowa offense. I don't know. Still pumping the brakes on uh, Spencer Petrus being a quality quarterback. Defensively, I already talked about Jack Campbell's touchdown. Um, Joe Evans for Iowa as well. One sack, tackle for loss, pass deflection, quarterback hurry there. Iowa covered plus four, under 45. And I was actually um, correct in my prediction of where Iowa would be in the AP poll after this win. I correctly predicted number five this week so all right number six clemson um rolling over south carolina state 49 to three needed this game uh clemson one and one not two and oh that's my bad um with the loss to georgia week one one and one but um yeah dj yui agalale uh yui ungalale Again, not great. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about DJ because he really, this should have been a game where he had amazing performance and great stats, did score three times. But the passing stats are not there right now. Uh, I think they still have an issue at offensive line probably. But, you know, and again, he threw another pick. So that's two and two games. Cannot keep throwing interceptions, dude, if you want to consistently win. And uh, I'm afraid Mark's going to miss this uh, name because it's a, it's a great name for uh, – I don't know why Clemson, they just keep getting quarterbacks with very long, possibly difficult names to say. Uh, Tyson – <laughs> Fomachan Fomachan um, the the backup that played in this game as well see now he has pretty good stats um, 75 yards off of 7 completions 70% touchdown did throw a pick just like DJ did though Will Shipley very good game for him 8 carries 80 yards 2 touchdowns on the ground and then um yeah, three, three Clemson running backs scored in this one, two on the ground, one through the air. Justin Ross, the leading receiver for Clemson in this one, um, hasn't necessarily produced like people thought he would after coming back from being out all last year with the neck issue. Defensively, I'll put out uh, Jacoby Durant for South Carolina State. 
Uh, two pass deflections and both interceptions of the Clemson's quarterback. James Skalski as well continues to be a monster for, for Clemson's defense. Tackle for loss, three quarterback hurries to go with uh, three tackles and a solo tackle. South Carolina State did cover, plus 50 and a half, under 56. Number four, Oklahoma. Uh, I would say they bounced back from the close win against Tulane. Just a little bit. They bounced back a little bit this week. <laughs> uh, a 76 to nothing win against Western Carolina. And Spencer Rattler came out and said, I got this, coach. We're good. Uh, yeah. The only you thing I the thing I have an issue with is only 243 yards off of 20 throws, 20 completions. Uh, but it's fine. Five total TDs. <laughs> Touchdowns, y'all. He looked like the quarterback that Chris has him as a Heisman, and most people have him, right? Like you have to. How's your Heisman going, Mark? <laughs> uh, they won. They won. <laughs> we'll get to that. Even like Dark Horse had 126 yards receiving in a losing effort. <laughs> I still think they should have a Heisman, like for the not to get off track, but the most outstanding player and then the most valuable player in college football. Because the two are not ever the same, in my opinion. Yeah, I think um, this game is is really what they thought they were getting uh, when they got Eric Gray from Tennessee in in a transfer this offseason. Really solid performance for him. A little under 100 total yards there. And, yeah, I mean, they had a boatload of running backs score touchdowns. Jaden Knowles, Todd Hudson both scoring twice. Um, And, yeah. The biggest question I have for you is, do you know the Western Carolina mascot? It looks like a wildcat. It's a catamount. Cool. Look it up for all of our viewers. It's one. Of, it's the only mascot that I know of in college football. It's essentially a mountain lion, but they call it a catamount. Yeah. I only know that because I coach with a lot of guys that were graduates of Western Carolina. Yeah, uh, Jaden Hazelwood scoring twice. Mario Williams not even close to the the receiving performance he had last week. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, and then uh, Perry on Winfrey, ha- half, uh, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. I mean, I would like to go and make 20 completions and five touchdowns in any game. Flag football, anybody? Hey, uh, you know what? The Oklahoma covered. They did. They did by themselves. <laughs> minus, minus 52 and a half they covered. And uh, they hit the over as well. Over 66 by themselves. Pretty sure we talked about that and they did it themselves. <laughs> All right. This was, it's funny. This next one's funny because I have a friend that I met here at Marquette Law School that um, worked in baseball operations at the University of Texas. Um, so 
he was wearing his Texas stuff today. He's like, it was hard. It was hard to put it on, but it was raining, and it, it was a. I will I will say I commented on his very very nice baseball uh, rain jacket kind of thing. So Arkansas railed number fifteen Texas forty to twenty one, and. I know you probably saw all the stuff. I saw all the stuff all weekend. <laughs> the biggest question, is Texas sure they want to go to the SEC? <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot to take away from this game that is maybe not stat-wise. <laughs> One, Sam Pittman is a good coach, guys. Like, or not, I, I use like as too many transition words. Anybody that wants a a coach that is up and coming, Sam Pittman is right there. That doesn't mean that he's looking to go anywhere else. Second, I grew up in southern Missouri, and half of my classmates and friends to this day either attended Arkansas. I played junior college basketball in Arkansas, and they all just text me like, did you see us play today? And I was like, man, you guys played yet." like really well the only thing that i have to say is why are you storming a field when you're a power five beating another power five not that that's not alabama because that's a top 15 win that, I just, and sam Pittman hasn't had a signature win yet that's probably but I, i'm grateful for it and welcome to the sec welcome um i i find it crazy after all the games happened, look at looking at the SEC standings, SEC West specifically. There's only one team that is one and one, and they have that's LSU, and they have more points than Texas A&M and Mississippi State, two of the other two and O teams. But yeah, Arkansas now ranked this week. Um, they moved up to number twenty from a from a no ranking status after this trouncing. Um, they got a quarterback issue. And what what was it that won them the game though? Because as you can see, not the the quarterback didn't play that great. Um, they were able hundred yard rusher. They were, they were able to control the line, in my opinion, which is what Sam Pittman is known for. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I take back that 100-yard rusher thing just because um, when you look at the team stats, 333 rushing yards <laughs> off of uh, 7.1 per clip. <laughs> it's still going to be the same issue that Arkansas has had since you've had, like, uh, what is it, Finley? Or not Finley. Who was their last quarter? But, um, the Allen boys. Was... The Allen brothers. Yep. Austin Allen um, was their last one. Brandon Allen before him. But, yeah, really running running game and defense because they held them to uh, 256 total yards. And uh, four for 13 what? on third downs. Turnovers it, were even. In my opinion, it goes back to how what coaches have you been under and now you're a head coach. It's the same thing that Alabama was, but now they're more spread. It's what Georgia was, and they're trying to go to more spread. 
Arkansas is still the ground and defense, and they're going to have to spread it out to beat better teams. And that's where I think they get beat. Yeah. If I mean, yeah, that, that comes down to recruiting in my mind, if they can get the quality receivers to, to come there. Um, and if Pittman can get a quarterback, I think they're set. Well, but they do in the West – and the West is the juggernaut. I've been saying it. Yeah. Kirby Smart's controlling the East because it's not competitive right now. Yeah. Uh, well, if they want a quarterback, Texas has two. Uh, <laughs> and they don't know which one is their actual quarterback because Hudson Card played like crap. Casey Thompson came in, didn't play good either. Um did run for two touchdowns, which is, I think, definitely a uh, what Casey Thompson does a lot better than Hudson Card. I don't think Hudson Card is a very good scambler, um, but Casey Thompson definitely can run the ball. And uh, ran- Bijan, Bijan did not have a good game at all. So, and I think one dimensional right now. I did say they were going to win because of him. I did say that. I did say the playing calling, so look at me. I mean, I take my lumps. I lost that one. Thompson is what they said today moving forward in practice is the one quarterback. And I, I think that's that's the right move. I think in both games, Casey Thompson has outperformed Hudson Card. So um, Nothing receiving-wise in this game, as you can – I mean – both both teams were under 150 passing yards. Um, defensively, though, Arkansas had two guys. <laughs> Hayden gosh. Henry with 15 tackles, um, two and a half tackles for loss, and then Grant Morgan with 13 tackles, a half a sack, two and a half tackles for loss. That's a lot of tackles. Granted, not a a lot of them were assisted. Um, not very many were solos, but uh, that's fine. Yeah, uh, Arkansas covered plus six over fifty-eight by three. Number eighteen, Wisconsin bouncing back thirty-four to seven win over Eastern Michigan. Um, once again, though, Graham Mertz very efficient, but only about ten yards per th- completion. Preston Hutchinson had issues in this one. But, you know, that's the thing. We know what Wisconsin is. <laughs> it's going to be Ches Malusi, Isaiah Garendo, uh, Jalen Berger had a fine day as well, Braylon Allen. Uh, but, yeah, the running game was done very well in this game. <laughs> if well, that's... you see the 34-17 score, and it's not like – Wisconsin had eye-popping defensive numbers. Does that make sense? Like, look at our stats here. But their defense gets it done. Yeah, and it was long. Um, A couple long – actually, it was only that one. That was long touchdown run. I was thinking of Isaiah Garendo. Um, (laughs) 82 of his 92 rushing yards on one touchdown. Um, But, yeah, I mean – 
Wisconsin ran for 352 total rushing yards. Just ridiculous. That's Wisconsin. That's Wisconsin football. And how many did Eastern Michigan have? 16. 16 rushing yards. And uh, that guy right there, Samson Evans, uh, he was the leading non-quarterback rusher. Preston Hutchinson was the leading rusher with 12 yards on, on three carries for the Eagles. But, um, yeah, nothing on the ground for Eastern Michigan. Defense and football. Uh, defense and running game. That That's how Wisconsin's playing it, especially because they don't have a superstar quarterback. Moving forward, what – what are we to expect of Wisconsin? Can they keep it up against top-tier uh, team? No. No. Because they're going to run into, first off, Notre Dame and Wisconsin's lucky because they have a bye week this week. <laughs> and then they, they get – so they get two weeks to prepare for Jack Cohn um, at Soldier Field in two weeks, uh, which I will be watching here. I won't be going to the game. They're like $200 per ticket. You were going to say you were going to the game. I was like, I'm meeting you in Soldier (laughs) Field, buddy. I do not have $200 to go to uh, Wisconsin-Notre Dame at Soldier Field. But I will be watching it with one Hanato Mawis, who is coming to Milwaukee that weekend. Um, So Nato will be here which will be a fun time. What I was mad at was... We need to talk about that because maybe I can get us all tickets. (laughs) If you want to come up, I don't care. Um, What what I'm mad at is why is that game at... Or maybe I shouldn't say that now. Maybe we should leave that for next next Friday. Because it's a a noon kickoff. Well, it's 11 a.m. here. It's 11 a.m. kickoff central time. Why would you put that game at 11 a.m.? Stupid. Anyways, Wisconsin's rest of their schedule, though. I mean, they got to play Michigan, who we've seen be very uh, efficient offensively this year as opposed to last year. They also got to play Iowa. But just like some of the other teams we've talked about, Wisconsin has very good scheduling luck this season. They host Army who Wisconsin should be able to beat with how their defense plays. They host Iowa. But again, I think they're going to get blown out by Iowa because of their defense. They're going to pick off Graham Mertz just like they did Brock Purdy. Um, They host Northwestern, who I think is another tougher one. I think their toughest road game is uh, at Minnesota the last week of the season. I mean, maybe if you want to say at Rutgers, like I said, with Ohio State. But Wisconsin's defense is a lot better than Ohio State, so. Anyway. I don't think it's fair, but they can navigate it, if that's a good word. <clears throat> I just think the Iowa is, that's, if they don't lose to Notre Dame, which I think they will, they're going to lose to Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin covered by one point, <laughs> minus 26, uh, and under 52. 
Number 22, Miami, getting their first win of the season, 25-23 over Appalachian State. And, again, I will continue to say it, I am not a De'Eric King guy. I, I mean, his stats aren't terrible. I'll say that, 60%, 200 yards, ran for one under 80 he, he, he didn't he, score. He did enough. Didn't find the end zone, which is um, not a good thing moving forward when you're playing someone like App State. We both picked App State, so that's another loss for us. If you would have had a little bit better quarterback play from App State, which I talked about it Friday, worried about Chase Bryce, but he did enough to keep him in the game. The difference is 5.1 average from Cameron Harris. Mm-hmm. One touchdown, one reception, six yards. Not not eye-popping, but enough to put a number 22 team ahead of the team they're playing. But I still don't look at them as the number 22 team in the nation, in my opinion. They dropped two in, in this week's poll to 24. Um, yeah, I mean, De'Ara King on the season through two games... 68%, 379 passing yards, uh, at, and then only one touchdown and two interceptions. And he only has one total touchdown because he hasn't scored on the ground yet. Marco Johnson, App State, 10 tackles, 6 solo, 1.5 for tackle for loss, 1 pass deflection, 1 quarterback hurry. He's doing everything in this game. To say, App State, just score. Just score for us. I got you. Yeah. Uh, I was I was very excited for App State. I thought they, were, they would come back and win this one, possibly. Um, and it's kind of funny because, you know, I say I'm not a, a De'Eric King guy, but I've kind of sort of became a Chase Bryce guy. Now, he has similar stats to Derek King, um, but I feel like on a lesser, kind of, kind of a lesser opponent, uh, a non-Power 5 team, uh, he's played adequately in both games. Won the first one, lost this one. Very close, though. In, a, in Miami, too. I mean, that's... That's the thing that I take away is, like, App State was playing at Miami, and uh, they only lost by two. Did they, ha- did they have a chance to go win? I, w- I was doing – I was at a concert, so I didn't – they did. They got to – They had a chance uh, to they win. Got, they got to their own 47 with 55 seconds left. The one thing that I took away from this game was if they could have got out to a lead – to start, and maybe we, I should have talked about that in the preview. If they could have got a lead, I think they could have kept it, but they were playing catch-up. Well, they did lead once. Uh, it was 14-12 to 12 at halftime for Appalachian State. And then they also wanted- led 22, 23-22 uh, with 5.48 to go. They could have got up one score is what I kept telling myself. One score, and you can win this game. But we know App State's going to be fine. You know, we know they're going to fight against Coastal Carolina probably for the 
Sun Belt Championship. Uh, that game, that regular season game, will be very fun, uh, just like it was last year. And um, my guy, there. Uh, at App State. Ah. Uh, my guy, though, on defense is App, App State linebacker, just because I love his name. <laughs> TD Roof. <laughs> my guy. Two sacks, two tackles for loss there. And then, I don't know, do we want to point uh, out the Georgia transfer or not? 100-yard kickoff return. Uh, Jalen Virgil, yeah. Do we want to point out the, do we want to point out the Georgia transfer or not? Yes, yes, do it. <laughs> Tyreek Stevenson has had two two pretty good games. Even against Alabama last week, he didn't play poor, uh, you know, so poorly that people, you know, could bash him, but this game three pass deflections was was definitely a, a solid game here. That either makes us really deep or someone we should have kept. I don't know. I think we're that deep. Well, he's on a team that has one more loss than Georgia does, so. Yep. <laughs> uh, App State did cover, though, plus 7.5, under 55. That was the other one that I said. Uh, the other thing that cost me my Hail Mary. I had I had 54.5. So I was like, dude, it's 25-23. Like, dude, all I need, App State's going to go down, score a touchdown, and it's going to go hit the over. But, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. All right. Another one we got wrong. <laughs> Mississippi State beating North North Carolina State 24-10. to 10. Uh, Difference between week one and, and week two for NC State. Zero running game in this game. Uh, yeah. Zonovan Knight couldn't get anything going on the ground at all. I don't know if that's Mississippi State's defense or their offensive line. But, yeah, it's a quarterback quarterback duel in this one, really. And Devin and Leary lost it. What do you expect when you're playing a Mississippi State team? It's going to be a, it's going to be a sling the football. Both 49 attempts. One better yardage, one more turnover. That didn't really decide the game because it's 24-10. This is what you get when you play an SEC defense, and it's not even renowned defense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I highly disappointed in the Wolfpack. I just thought because Mississippi State played so terribly last week, um, even in a win, we saw what it was. I mean, it was not pretty. And and for how well Zodovan Knight ran the ball in the previous game, I thought they could to could get it. But um yeah, did not happen. Mississippi State. The Pirate is now two and zero. It is what it is. On the, on the west side, another two and zero team, Emmanuel Forbes, eleven tackles, nine solo, one sack, one point five tackles for loss. Good game. Yeah, and we had another 100-yard kickoff return touchdown in this one by Ladeatric uh, Griffin for the Bulldogs as well. So, yeah. 
Mississippi State cover plus one and a half, under 56. All right, SMU going to 2-0, 35-12 win over North Texas. Um, Jace Reuter, dude, UNT, 366 in a losing effort, but through two picks. And uh, Oklahoma transfer quarterback Tanner Mordecai balled out, too. 312, four touchdowns. But he turned the ball over three times as well, which that's how I I looked at that, and I was like, how in the hell did they still win by 23 points when their quarterback turned it over three times? Running back. And, and the running back Ulysses, turned it over once, yeah, too. Ulysses Bentley, the fifth, or the fourth, 10 carries, 141 yards. So that's a 14.1 average. Just <laughs> chunking it up. Did put the ball on the ground, but still had two receptions, 21 yards, and a touchdown as well. That's that's really – you take away his one fumble, he's the key of the game. Yeah. Bentley's Bentley's a guy that I, I really like at SMU. And I think with him and Mordecai, I, I think they got a chance. Um, yeah. Do you see him playing yeah. on Sunday someday, or is he a practice squad guy? Which one, Bentley or Mordecai? Bentley. I think he has the he has enough um, that he could latch onto a roster. I think it's always tough to project running backs that aren't at power fives. Right. Um, but you see them. I mean, we saw this weekend. We'll talk about in the Niners game, Elijah Mitchell, um, coming from Louisiana. And, Can he be a Angela Williams or no? Maybe I mean it. You know, when you when you get to when you get to uh, talking about NFL and, and rookies, it's we know it, it's all about where you go and how much opportunity do you get to start your career. So, not a bunch of defensive stats, but some. Yeah, yeah. It was hard to find uh, quality stats in this one. I think I'm going to go with. Uh, Isaiah Wokobia, yeah. uh, seven tackles, seven solos, a sack, tackle for loss, and a pick in this one. That's a great, that's a good game. That's getting you paid by boosters. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to do it. <laughs> uh, all right. Trying to uh, multitask here while I uh, do the show. Dude, yes, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to put some Monday Night Football stuff in here as a, as we go go through the show here. We'll try to get it off the air before Monday Night Football. Maybe I still got a lot. I know it's my fault. I mean, it's my fault. I put a lot of games on the schedule for us this week, but it's early. The I can't wait. Till we get to NCAA news. That's all I'm saying. They'll cut. They'll cut down as teams start to lose. We'll get less and less non top twenty five games that are undefeateds or one loss and uh that's how we'll pick games from here on out but uh smu covered minus 22 and a half under 76 i don't know why i didn't see that one uh i would have bet the house on that dude i mean i did not watch this game 76 that was a no-brainer uh yeah liberty undefeated still 21 to 13 went over troy was disappointed. I didn't watch this one. I, but again, I thought that Liberty would just destroy Troy because 
damn Malik Willis. <laughs> that's that's why. I mean, that's that was my only reasoning. He, he had a good game. Yeah. He had five missed completions, but he still had two touchdowns and one on the ground. Almost so 100 rushing yards, yeah. He did what he had to do, and Troy is down in Alabama. That are they're, You're going to get recruits that maybe people don't think are Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee, but it's a fertile ground for recruiting, so it's always going to be a tough place to play. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, the, the really, I think it was just the defense for the Trojans was the, the key and why. Because, look, I mean, their defensive statistics, specifically Willie Cholo, a, a monster. Two and a half sacks and four tackles for loss to go with eight tackles, half of them being solos. Um, and, you know, T.J. Harris had 10 tackles as well. So, think that. And then, I mean, Malik Willis having sort of an off game through the air. Like you said, though, three tu- accounted for all three touchdowns that Liberty scored. Almost 100 rushing yards. Did enough to beat Troy. If you don't have that quarterback, it's a... It's a field goal. Whoever has the ball, last possession. Right. Okay. Um, Liberty covered minus three, under 63. One of the more high-scoring games that I thought were was going to be high-scoring. This is, this is, is high-scoring. You don't know how... How pissed I was at this game, dude. I'll talk about it. I'll talk about the end. I'll talk about the end of the game. I know. I'll talk about the end of the game. Memphis undefeated 55-50 win over Arkansas State. And what can you say, dude? This was a, a prototypical quarterback shootout. No turnovers. Arkansas State had two quarterbacks for 276 and 306. No turnovers, though. That's what I think when I look at the quarterback stats. Uh, You know, five touchdowns for Seth Hennigan, six total touchdowns between James Blackman and Lane Hatcher. Um, And that's the thing. Lane Hatcher's used to doing that. He was in... This system last year in the dual in the dual quarterback thing with Logan Bonner now at Utah State, James Blackman comes in from Florida State. Still the same thing, uh, I guess. So, anyways, they're running two quarterback system. Uh, but the, I think the craziest thing is, well, you like okay, well, it was a passing game, but dude, Brandon Thomas had 191 yards for Memphis on the ground too, like. <laughs> Memphis is one of the more fun teams to watch if people don't – and they've lost their coach. Didn't he go to Missouri? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the first-year coach, and they elevated him, so he's doing the same thing. The one thing I want to point out is six receptions, 239 Dude, yards with three touchdowns. 
Have we ever had a stat with someone with a 39.8 average in Calvin Austin the third? He... We need to start tracking averages. That's got to be the highest average. Dude, he is he is a monster. He is really the the guy that I know the most about from Clemson uh, from Memphis. It's I said Clemson. It's it, the Tiger thing. Um, but yeah, from from Memphis, Calvin Austin is quite the beast that they had there. Um, Big Izzy. I don't I don't know his physical build, but he has to be not only invited to the draft combine. Is he going to be in the first two rounds? Probably not. Really, um, I'd, I'd have to see. I mean, I don't actually watch too much of Memphis, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, he's... I, I would love to draft him late in the rounds to see what he can do. Let me let me look it up. I got it. It's 5'9", 162. Okay. If he was like 6'1", <laughs> and 218 or something, I would be more excited, but... Yeah. He is a... Um, he's a do-it-all. He, I don't think he has been returning punts but I believe he did last year. I I um, classify him as sort of his last name and um, a guy that went by the, la- the same last name, and that was the a high draft pick of your St. Louis Rams at the time. Never touch it. Don't touch Tavon it. Tavon Austin. Um, Don't touch it. I think he's sort of in that kind of mold. Don't don't touch it. Don't I hate I don't like drafting small guys high if that makes sense. That doesn't mean you can't do it in the third round, but don't draft a small receiver. Yeah. And, and I'm not if you're putting Devontae Smith in that, I'm not putting him in that box. Yeah, not not to discount Jeff Foreman for uh the Red Wolves either, dude. Two yards under two hundred yards off eight catches and a touchdown as well. No. Um, and that's what that's what's remarkable. No turnovers in this game. No yeah. turnovers like you said. Yeah. And there well there actually were two. Uh just no well, picks. Two two yeah. fumbles for Memphis. Um as long as yeah, okay, yeah. That those are right. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah. The uh the total yards for this one Wow, that's ridiculous. They had the same exact amount of yards. 680 each. <laughs> 1,360 total yards in this one. Uh, yeah. The thing is, is Arkansas State didn't even have 100 yards rushing. That was... I don't know if that was the difference, but they only averaged 3.1 per carry. And Arkansas State had more possession time. 36 minutes to, to 24. What was the red zone? Uh, one more score than the other one? I don't know. It doesn't show red zone on team stats. Gotcha. <laughs> it just shows third downs. But, yeah, okay. Uh, defensively, Joe Ozogwu. For Arkansas State, four tackles, uh, five tackles, three solos, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles lost, one QB hurry. Tough. 
Thomas Pickens, Memphis, 10 tackles, 9 solo, 1 quarterback hurry. Uh, so the thing that I was pissed about this game was the spread. <laughs> Reason being, I had Memphis minus five and a half. They're up 55 to 36 with 1039 to go. Arkansas scores. Arkansas State scores. I'm like, all right, that's only one. That's fine. Uh, with five minutes, about five minutes to go. It's a 55-43 game. So, still up by 12, right? We're good. Just maybe one more stop, run the ball, maybe two first downs and you win. Arkansas State got their last touchdown with a little under two minutes to go, and Memphis couldn't score again. So, yeah. Arkansas State covered. Plus five and a half by a freaking half a point. And uh, over 65 big time. 105 points. Number 20, Ole Miss continues to roll. 54-17 over Austin P. Matt Corral. He only scored once through the air last game. He made sure to make up for it here. Five touchdown passes in this one. Um, <laughs> little under, little over 280. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was the game. Him and, uh, Dontario Drummond continues to have a, a good start to the season with a hundred yard performance and two touchdowns. Jonathan Mingo also one yard under 200, uh, one yard under a hundred and, and two scores as well. So. Hey, I think for me, it's, it's, it's only awesome P, but you saw in Louisville, their defense is. 10 times better than last year. And we know they're going to be able to put up points under Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Uh, Sam Williams with a 33-yard pick six there. And then I, I don't know if he is related or not, but uh, Demon Clowney with a sack, tackle for loss, TKB hurries as well. I wonder how my guy Chase Chance Campbell did because I didn't see him on the uh, – That's I mean, four tackles – Three solos and a QB hurry. So, not as good of a performance by Chance in, in the second game. I'm sure he didn't play the whole game. So, Five touchdowns, guys. That's another five touchdowns, though. It's okay. No one will touch Bailey Zappi's uh, ten, ten touchdowns uh, through two games. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ole Miss, minus 37, pushed. And over 70 hit. Over 70. By one. <laughs> All right, number 24, North Carolina. They rolled Georgia State 59-17. What? It, I don't understand what happened to Georgia State. Really, I don't. Um, <laughs> Sam Howell had a, a really, really good game. Uh, needed it. 400 and 56 total yards, five total touchdowns. Did not that's, like the little blemish there at the end, though. That's the quarterback that we expected. The reason I bet on him to be the Heisman was he lost so many players. If you're going to be that good, you've got to circumvent that is a good word that I would use. Mm -hmm. And he did that against the Georgia State 
team that is down. I don't. I. It's got to be from losing players. I would think they've always been strong running the ball. This game didn't run the ball again very well. Quarterback doesn't play very well if you can't run the ball. Yeah, and and, and they really didn't have a running game again. Um, Ty Chandler, Tennessee transfer, the uh, leading rusher with 58 yards, other than Sam Howell. Sam Howell was the rushing game in this one. He, he's going to have to do it all. I think they're in trouble yeah. in the ACC. I really, I, they could have three or four losses, in my opinion. So, uh, Antoine Green with a 100-yard performance. Which was interesting because Josh Downs was really the guy against Virginia Tech. I mean, he was again leading in receptions in this one with eight, but uh, not as many yards as Green there did score. And uh, 39 average, but not 39.8. Defensively, I like Blake Carroll for, for Georgia State. Six tackles, three solos. One and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. North Carolina covered minus 26 over 66. SEC battle here. Kentucky 2-0, beating Missouri 35-28. Uh, Basilak played pretty decent. He, he, was, he was solid. Uh, Will Levis, not so much. But uh, it didn't matter because Chris Rodriguez said, it's okay, dude. I got you. 206 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, four total. He ran all over this defense. (laughs) It's about what I expected. I said, kind of a toss-up. We all did pick Kentucky, so I'm glad that they won. But it's too... Conference foes separated by one touchdown is the only takeaway. Yeah, I think I think these teams are very close. I think they're similar um, in terms of where they rank in the SEC. Uh, I think Kentucky's definitely got a leg up like they did in this game. I think they are ahead um, in terms of competing with the top teams. And that's the kind of weird thing is that I feel like everyone was on the Missouri train and that they were going to be the next team to come up in the SEC, and they really haven't. Um, And it seems like, at least through two games, that Kentucky is now that third team in the East. Right. um, Behind Georgia and Florida. So, what to see. Uh, Because Wondell Robinson... The, yeah. the Nebraska transfer has been stellar for them. Five receptions, 101 yards. I think that he was the difference getting out in, in coverage and getting the ball into scoring opportunities. He was the key, in my, my opinion, in this game. I would, I, I'm, I guess, intrigued moving forward. I know how much money Mizzou is putting into the football program. They've changed ADs over the last few years. think they have their coach that they want. Missouri could eventually be that third team. I think they're two, three years behind. 
Okay. Um, yeah, and I don't. I was got annoyed by this game because I was doing stats yesterday, and for some odd reason, uh, ESPN didn't have the defensive stats on this game. I don't understand why. But the ones that they did have were the interceptions, so Jalen Carley's for the Tigers, uh, Jacquez Jones for the Wildcats, each with a pick. So Kentucky covered minus 5.5 over 57. The next one we Upset. all Back-to-back upsets here coming. BYU, 2-0, 26-17 to win against number 21, Utah. They stormed the field. Uh, this was in Provo, I believe. Let me just check real quick. Yes. <coughs> Provo is where BYU is at, right? I feel like I get that wrong every time. Provo's BYU, yes. Yes. So it was at is in Provo. Quarterback uh, play wasn't necessarily any different besides turnovers. So you had one quarterback throw three touchdowns for BYU, better red zone efficiency, and then you had BYU Tyler Alager Algier Algier twenty seven carries. 102 yards. That's a big difference when you're talking about same stats for a quarterback. Someone comes in the backfield to help you out. That's a difference in the game. Yeah, I I love Tyler Algier. He was one of the top returning players. Obviously, without Zach Wilson, it, it turns to a lot of the other guys that were already um, starters from last season, and they had a lot coming back, really. Um, it was just the transfer at quarterback. Um, to Jaron Hall because a lot of these guys' names for BYU we saw last season. Tyler Algier, uh, Puka Nasua, also Neil Pau, Gunnar Romney played in this one. He didn't play in week one against Arizona because he was hurt, uh, but he did play in this one, did score. Um, And then Samson Nasua as well, Puka's younger brother. I believe he's younger brother. I could be wrong. I'm not too familiar with the familial connection, but Puka's definitely, he, he's pretty solid. What what I found interesting on the defensive side is you had a lot of tackles, but not a lot of solos for both teams. Yeah. Um, my guy's probably Peyton Wilgar had a good game against Arizona as well. Half a sack, one and a half tackles lost, two pass deflections. I was disappointed with Charlie Brewer in this one. Played very well week one. Not great here. Um, threw a pick under 60%, got propped up by Micah Bernard with 146 yards on the ground off 12 carries and a touchdown. But, um, yeah, I mean, BYU, I don't necessarily know if it's a tough place to play. I would think it would be just because it's the sea of blue. Um, But, yeah, it looks like Third down, actually. Third down and turnovers could have been the two things for Utah. Two turnovers, so uh, they were minus two. And then third downs, two for nine for Utah. BYU, 11 of 19. So, yeah. Keeping on the field, that wins you the ball game. 
BYU plus seven, uh, and then under fifty one. Like yeah, I said, the next one. Wow, wow. Back to back upset Stanford. Not even upsetting, but rolling. Number fourteen USC, forty two twenty eight. Tanner McKee, dude. The the crazy thing about Tanner McKee, he didn't start last week against Kansas State. He was the new starter this week, and he said, Coach, I'm here. I'm ready to keep this job. Uh, David Shaw might have found his quarterback. (laughs) I've got to give respect to David Shaw, you know, coming in after Harbaugh, Harbaugh, sorry. And they haven't really missed a beat in the sense that they're really competitive. Are they in the championship picture each year? No. But they are a tough out anytime you play them anywhere you're at. And the quarterback play for USC just here's someone we know USC's pedigree, whether it's the wide receiver and Keyshawn Johnson or um, why am I drawing blank? All the other. I mean, Juju. Steve Smith. Yeah. And then all the quarterbacks that we can line up, whether it's. You know, during Pete Carroll's or Carson Palmer or whoever. So you're thinking, okay, got this big media presence. Here's our next quarterback. They lost JT Daniels. He's doing so well at at Georgia. Here's the next wave of the quarterback. And it's like, did I just watch the game? Did I just watch this game unfold the way it did? That's all I could keep thinking of. Yeah, I mean, I... I was one that was, uh, yeah, decently high on on Keaton Slovis. I was pretty excited for him this season, and uh, thought USC could really challenge Oregon for the Pac-12. Maybe they still can. Uh, Oregon looks like a juggernaut at this point, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, think Keaton's got to play a lot better. I think the Pac-12 is going to be interesting. Right now, Oregon is is head and shoulders. Established them with their win above the conference. But, you know, it's always tough to play in Corvallis when you're Oregon, Oregon State. It's going to be tough playing USC with this loss even. Stanford. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Pac-12 is is reeling right now. They really are. I mean, it's it's not pretty. 3-0-2 teams. Uh, only three two and O teams. It's it's really not pretty in the Pac-12 right now. Oregon needs to run through that to be considered a you know CFP team. I will shout out Caillou Blue Kelly. One great name. I mean that's just a cool name. But seven tackles, six solo, three pass deflections, an interception, and a touchdown. Um, on 31 yards returning, that's that's a great game. That, that's just a great game against mm-hmm. a Heisman quarterback. Yeah, and uh, the guy I always go to, Drake London, for receiving for USC, 68 yards, one touchdown. He is going to be the next great USC receiver. Um, again, it, they haven't got what they wanted yet out of Texas transfer Keontae Ingram. I mean, he just has not put it on the field that they what they uh, thought they were getting. 
And you know, you know the result of this game, what just happened, right? Are we going to talk about that later? In a bit, yeah. Uh, okay. I think maybe Keontae Ingram isn't getting enough carries because Vave uh, Malapai has been performing, though. That's the one guy who has been performing for USC uh, on the ground. So. Stability is my next question for USC. Stanford plus 17.5 over 54. Uh, last FBS game here, number 23, Arizona State rolling UNLV 37-10. Knew that was going to happen. Uh, thing is, Jaden Daniels hasn't thrown the ball. <laughs> uh, deep, anyways. Uh, he is still young uh, in only his second season, full season as a starter. Did, did run for 125 yards. So 300 total yards. Two touchdowns passing, turn the ball over once. Um, again, not a not a surprise at the result. So the, I guess for this game the result wasn't a surprise. But you stated it. I just don't know what to think about the hype right now with Jaden Daniels, because are you gonna be able to run everywhere on the field when you play a Stanford? <laughs> Or, or an Oregon, are you? You play so Kayvon Thibodeau. <laughs> you're going to have to throw it. And so I've tried to go back and look at Herm Edwards in the NFL and go, okay, what's the quarterback play like? And is he going to live up to hype ever? Well, I think uh... – Next week, this this next weekend, we'll um, we'll see, because uh, they're going into a ranked matchup this weekend at Provo, at BYU. <laughs> so, I don't even know how to pick that game right now. I uh, gosh, Arizona State's favored by three and a half currently. Uh, get, uh, Darian Butler on defense, eight tackles, three solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss. And uh, Rashad White, 90 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. UNLV did cover, though. They did cover. Great teams cover. <laughs> Plus 34.5 for UNLV uh, and under 56. Now, I know you're excited because we have the results of our first ever FCS Game of the Week special. And your alma mater won, bud. <laughs> uh Number 23, Miss Missouri State upsetting number 19, Central Arkansas, 43-34. I kind of wish I would have watched this game because it l sounds like it was a great, very competitive game. Turnovers. Missouri State did not have as many as Central Arkansas, and to me, that was the factor. Yeah, I agree. Central Arkansas, minus two. Um, what an offensive game, though. Uh 453 yards for UCA, uh, 374 for Missouri State, and uh, I I did not know Jason Shelley was the the QB at uh, Missouri State, Utah and Utah State transfer. That that's crazy that he went from Utah to Utah State and then now Missouri State. Um, 
he must not be the greatest because he keeps going down in competition. Well, <laughs> so, his stats were not great. I mean, he got a, one touchdown, one on the ground, but that's not good completion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least Kevin Latulis kind of helped him out. And uh, also... The uh, special teams and defense helped them out as well with Tyler Wiltz, a 45-yard pick six. Montre Braswell, a 96-yard kick return touchdown. And then LaMondre Joe also had a pick. And um, that's – if you don't have those three things, you don't win the ball game. Yeah. <laughs> so better hope uh, that he can up it. I mean, the thing is, Jason Shelley, in my mind, the, the few Utah State games I saw – where he played in, he's not terrible. It's not great either, though. <laughs> uh, we'll say, though, the the two receivers, actually three 100-yard receivers in this game, Xavier Lane for Missouri State, 9 for 148 and a touchdown, and then uh, also for Missouri State, or no, for Central Arkansas, Luan Winningham, uh, 10 for 144 for Central Arkansas, and Tyler Hudson, 3 for 104 and a touchdown for the Purple Bears as well. I don't know. Are they? I wonder if they're actually called the Purple Bears or if they're just the Bears. Because <laughs> I would love I would love that they if they're called the, the Purple Bears. That would be fantastic. <laughs> but uh, Missouri State did cover minus 5.5 and, and over... 51 easily 77 in this game so that's the uh ncaa slate interested to see what the fcs game of the week is next week i'll have to look at the rankings week three fcs poll i haven't looked at that yet but let's get in the nfl games week one the birds fly eagles fly what i don't know what was fantastic more... I was so excited that the offense came out like this in week one with Nick Sirianni. Um, Jalen Hurts, the Alabama connection was real. Uh, 77%, 264, three touchdowns, 62 on the ground. And he completed six of his passes for 71 yards and a beautifully designed Touchdown play to Devontae Smith. I don't know what was more cool. The video I sent you asking my kids, do you want to watch Trevor Lawrence's debut or do you want to watch the Eagles? And they were like, Eagles! Like, <laughs> in Houston. That was pretty sweet. They looked, I, I don't want to say great because it is the Falcons, but they looked really good. They should be able to compete with the Cowboys if they keep this up. I love what Jalen Hurts did in the pocket. I would love what he was able to do outside of the pocket. There was one time that he used a Euro step, if you saw it, to avoid a sack and just throw it away. And that's elite. And you guys got playmakers. I was I was also uh, very happy that Jalen Rager performed well. Um, as as I said in in our preseason when we were doing the fantasy rankings and whatnot, Jalen Rager was one of my favorite sleepers for this year. And uh, if you look at those stats, that is uh, sixteen point nine fantasy points, very decent day 
um, for him. I you know. Go ahead. I I was also happy with uh, the ground game for the Eagles, and I think I talked about that in the preview of this game. The the Jalen Hurts mobility really helps them when they run want to run the read option stuff with Miles Sanders, and uh, he broke a couple long runs in this one. And yeah, Dallas Goddard was was the man as well. So those were the two things that I was going to hit home. Besides, already talking about Jalen Hurts is. I was happy to see the ground game, whether that was Miles Sanders getting a handoff, and I thought they used him adequately in the in the passing game, and I think that can blossom even more. We've seen that in the past with, with Darren Sproles, different coaching staffs, but in different, different dynamics, but I think that he can do both, run and catch. And I'm kind of intrigued with, with Kenneth Gainwell <laughs> – didn't have to use him a lot, but he was I, utilized effectively. So what does that look like moving forward with both of these backs? And that's the other thing. Uh, my wife was sitting next to me watching this game, and she was like, man, the Eagles are really better than last year. And then they pan to the sideline, and she was like, is that Zach Ertz with blonde hair? And I was like, what do you think I would look? And she's like, don't, don't ask. And I said, well, in his replacement – I love Dallas Goddard and what they did, and I think he can blossom more as well. And that's one of these teams that I'm looking at is what you did with your players, you didn't have to fully blossom them in week one. And so when you get to a better defense, what does that look like in you know week three, week four, week five, week eight, and so on? Yeah. I was I was really surprised that Kenneth Gainwell got his first career touchdown in in his first game. Um, did not expect that to happen. Um, one guy I did expect to get his first touchdown in his first game did not. Um, Kyle Pitts, very disappointing rookie debut for him. But that was attributable to the defensive line of Philadelphia was eating all day long. Javon Hargrave two sacks, two tackles lost, three QB hits. Hassan Ridgeway also with three QB hits. They annihilated when, the offensive line of the Falcons. I wrote a note when I was watching this game preparing for today. I think at halftime they only had one sack. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But they were in the backfield all day long. And they ended up with... I. To me, they had about 10 sacks, even though it didn't come down as 10 sacks. And I circled a play when I was watching it in my mind when they were slinging uh, Matt Ryan to the ground and he just threw it at the ground, which it's both sides, right? It's the pressure that you guys continually got. And instead of getting that sack, he got an intentional grounding and he might have saved one or two. I thought... He didn't save any yards, but they said that he would have been backed up two more yards, and not a lot of quarterbacks would have done that. But that's all. That's what I kept saying is Kyle Pitts can't get off. Matt Ryan looks like he's washed up because they're just living in the backfield. They might as well just struck a, a, a campfire and said, run a play, we're going to be back here. Yeah, three sacks, nine quarterback hits total for the Eagles defense. Um, as well as six tackles for loss. But yeah, 
I was very happy about this game. Probably the happiest of all three of my teams, um, the way they performed in this one. Disappointing fantasy day uh, for Calvin Ridley. He was my second-round pick in my fraternity league, only 10.1 um, in a PPR scenario. But uh, also, what? I guess this was also the Eagles' defense, but, you know, Mike Davis's debut for the Falcons – not good at all. 15 carries, 49 yards. Um, that's why Cordero Patterson outrushed him on only seven carries. That's kind of – it's kind of funny because I kept that in the back of my mind. The first drive that the, the Falcons had, they got him off. Actually, that's – the chunks of his yards was the first drive because they started off 3-0 over the Falcons. And they went to him about three or four times – the first drive and he was chunking up yards and then after that yeah I'll go back to the Kyle Pitts thing I was very disappointed for that as well probably more mad than disappointed um because again I had a um a touchdown parlay that uh hit on three out of four DK scored uh who else was it Devontae Smith scored. And I'm trying to think who else. Um, well, just know that Kyle Pitts was the one that, that ruined it. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, and then DeAndre Hopkins scored as well. and um, Yes, he did. Would have only needed Kyle Pitts to get one in order to um, decent, pretty, pretty solid payout would have occurred had that had that happened but alas it did not uh eagles plus three and a half under 49 how about this game how about this game dude it was it was really good weekend football wise for me uh five and oh between college and, and nfl with my my five teams um so pretty pretty solid weekend as well uh, yeah, Steelers beating the Bills 23-16 in Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen, I did not see a 51-throw game coming from Josh Allen. It seemed like that would have been the opposite if you would have thought about this game. You, you Like last year, you know, you would have thought Ben Roethlisberger was going to throw 51 times. But they didn't, and, and Ben didn't really have to do too much because the money man Mr. TJ Watt himself along with his friends Minka Fitzpatrick Devin Bush, Cam Sutton Cam Hayward Ulysses Gilbert I mean it was just wave after wave and the Buffalo offensive line couldn't stop Watt, Melvin Ingram Cam Hayward anyone Um, Alex Highsmith I keep going. <laughs> I mean, they were wreaking the havoc every play. The reason I have the, the Steelers in the playoffs is solely on their defense. I, I believe in their defense. I think it – we talked about it last year. Without injuries, I think it's one, two, maybe three best defense in the NFL. And I still believe this after you see this in week one. But – I guess what I have to say about this game, because you already talked about everybody that helped out TJ Watt, is if you're going to be the MVP, you have to make one or two plays that wins you this game 24-23. 
or wins you this game 27-23, if that makes sense. Especially when you have Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley in the slot, people like that. Manuel but you, you, do have to, you have to give them time to do that. You can't just do it all on your own. And it's only week one, so am I really worried about the Bills? No. Am I worried about the Steelers? No. Ben didn't have to do a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll echo off that. But his completions were not – I mean, 18 for 32 is not going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy, I think the craziest stat that I saw today on Twitter, Najee Harris was the only rookie – this weekend to play or I don't know if it was overall rookies or if it was just rookie running backs but regardless he played all 58 offensive snaps no other running back was on the field at least I don't think I don't think they went two backs um anytime and yeah I mean he didn't have a flashy first game but he did enough and I think the key was the threat of Najee Harris. I think we talked about this a little bit in the preseason. The threat of Najee Harris running really helped set up Big Ben in the passing game. And um, I think that's what happened. And, uh, yeah, Juju had, had a good first performance. Um, Deontay Johnson scored on a fantastic um, concentration catch in the corner of the end zone. And uh, Chase Claypool, I mean, his catch that he had over, I don't remember who the corner was that he was against. The catch over the guy's back, I mean, was ridiculous. So, feeling good again for the Steelers after uh, the debacle in the playoffs last year. Hopefully I can keep feeling good about this, them, the rest of the season. Um, I don't expect them to do what they did last year. Which is starting eleven and zero. I, I'm not saying it won't happen because this this is. I picked the Bills for a reason, and we all did. So, but yeah, uh, I think really the turning point was the blocked punt for uh, return for a touchdown by Ulysses Gilbert. Um, that was definitely big time, big time possession there. Steelers plus six and a half under 48, which I had in a parlay that lost because of one other game. All right. Oh, dude, I wish Chris was on. I want to rub it in his face so badly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Panthers starting the season off 1-0, 19 to 14 over the Jets. And Mr. Wilson struggled. He was on the struggle bus in the first half. Tell, tell of two halves, but it's what we thought. I, I think Matt Rule is solidifying that defense. Mm. Always thought that Sam Darnold had a place in the NFL. I don't know where, whether that's a really good backup or just on a mediocre team. And he showed that. He relied on Christian McCaffrey. A lot, but that's why he got paid a big contract and hurt the Panthers last year being out. 
And just like you said, I mean, he only had three targets, but the one difference in the game, if you want to go back to it, is Robbie Anderson, 57-yard touchdown. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, got behind the defense. That's what Robbie's really, I mean, I think that's what his role is with especially Terrace Marshall being there now. Um, I think Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, more the underneath guys, Robbie's going to take the top off the defense. But, yeah, dude, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, what a first game. 30 touches for 187 total yards. I mean, dude, my my comeback player of the year is looking very good right now. <laughs> the only thing that he didn't do was get in the end zone. Yeah. But, and that's because they're dialed into him in the red zone. But it's and for fine. Me, go ahead. It's fine because Sam Darnold can run run the ball into the end zone. <laughs> well, and what did, what did I say? I said either I, – I believe one of these two players will win it. And I think an easier pick for, for comeback player of the year after an injury is – Christian McCafferty, but I think Sam Donald is going to excel in a new scenery, and they're going to thrive off of each other. If if he doesn't have Christian McCafferty, if someone X's him out in the game and he doesn't play well, that only solidifies Christian McCafferty being being the comeback player of the year. But I've got to give props to the way this defense mm. is established, the people that you've seen in the past, whether it was Luke Keekley or – or their other linebacker, Davis. Shaq Thompson is is a beast. Yeah. Ten tackles, five solo, one tack, one sack, one tackle for loss, three pass deflections, a quarterback hit, and in <laughs> one INT. If I'm in the in the locker room, as much as I want to give Christian McCafferty the game ball, it goes to Shaq Thompson. Well, they did give a game ball to Sam Darnold, um, but he's against. And what's, what what was weird is you know with how, all the numbers this year, Shaq Thompson switched to number seven. He got number seven flying around everywhere out there. So yeah, just like the Eagles game though, the Panthers pass rush was ferocious. Um, everyone was getting on the sack party. They sacked Zach Wilson uh, was it six times? <coughs> yes, six sacks on Zach Wilson in this game and they hit him they hit him a lot too uh 10 qb hits total secondary played well with eight pass deflections and uh yeah i mean Corey davis for the jets had, had a really good first outing with them almost 100 yards and two touchdowns no running game to prop zach wilson up though that was a big issue and they're not gonna have a running game moving forward let's let's be honest I think if they can give the reins to Michael Carter, I think they could. But, but they lost an offensive lineman in this game, Yeah, if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, it's going to be harder for the run game and Zach Wilson. So, yeah. yeah. It's going to be tough. Um, I don't know. I forgot something. I had it in my head. Um Anyways, Panthers, minus three and a half covered, under 45. You know what? Going back to the Eagles game, you know what's great about the Eagles win? They're the only 1-0 team in the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Panthers, on the other hand, are one of three one and zero teams in the NFC South. All right, Bengals are uh, the first overtime game of the season. Bengals win it 27-24. Evan McPherson kicking uh, rookie Evan McPherson kicking the game-winning 33-yard field goal as overtime expired. All right. Who goes first in this game? You can. <laughs> Jamar. Okay. I had, I had about four takeaways. One, I was worried this was going to end in a tie, and every time the <laughs> NFL game ends in a tie, I tweet and post in every social media, this is not a communist country. Stop having ties. Second. Joe Burrow is a winner. I don't care what you have to say about him. Third, Joe Mixon really, really helped him. And fourth, Jamar Chase and all his drops. That's the pass, guys, because he excelled in this game. The greatest thing. Did you see the the press conference clip? (laughs) Jamar Chase is at the podium. He leaves, and Joe Burrow is the next guy up. (laughs) Joe sits down. He said, I thought he was dropping everything. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, apologize to Joe Mixon. Um, I don't know why I was typing and it didn't capitalize his last name. I don't know. But I will say Joe Mixon had a fantastic performance. Um, Great fantasy day. And I'm not – I've never been a a Mixon guy, so maybe you're turning, turning me around. Possibly, Joe. Now, now, I did switch the game because they both had the ball in, in overtime and they both didn't score, and I switched it off. And I have a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan that I from the military, like my best friend. He's older than me by like 10 years, but he's a great guy. And he goes, did, I, I know you switched the game. You got to go back. And he said something about a botched call at the end where someone was down, he thought, but they didn't call him down. And I didn't see it. I didn't see any highlights for that. I don't know if you saw it. No, I wasn't watching this game. Um, This one was the Fox game where I'm at. So um, I had my DirecTV NFL ticket quad box up on my computer, and um, I had the... Steelers game on CBS on my TV, gotcha. and I was doing a lot of di- other stuff on my phone, so I didn't um, watch the majority of this game. I watched a little bit of the overtime at the end, but um, yeah, the Vikings should have gotten this done. Um, really, if it weren't for Jamar Chase, I, I don't think that um, the Bengals would have won, but Defensive statistics. There's a lot of good ones. Um, a lot, of, a lot of defensive tackle play <laughs> and pass rushes from defensive tackles. So Michael Pierce with two sacks, Ogan Joby for the Bengals put in one, and then B.J. Hill with two as well. Bengals plus three, over forty-seven. Niners. In a shootout in Detroit, 41-33 over the Lions. Shouldn't have been that close. Should not have even been this close. But 
Dan Campbell was eating kneecaps in the fourth quarter, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's what got Detroit to cover uh, the spread. So, yes, uh, Trey Lance did throw his first career touchdown in this one, a five-yard five yarder to Trent Shirtfield, which is ridiculous because that's the only guy he threw to in the preseason. Um, so, <laughs> one thing that I saw, people were really getting on Jimmy Garoppolo early in this game because he, like, fumbled the first snap. And, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he still had a quality game. Did turn it over, that snap. But, um... He had 314 yards and the touchdowns. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Elijah Mitchell, though. Raheem Moster went down. We'll talk about what, how uh, what his injury is. But Elijah Mitchell, dude, a rookie, 104 yards on, and a touchdown in his first career game. Yep. Really solid performance there. Swift didn't get a lot of yardage on the ground, but he did have eight receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. And for me, go ahead. Uh, well, they said they said pregame uh, because he wasn't 100% back yet. Um or that he hadn't been a hundred percent until like this week, so they were they were really trying to give Jamal Williams the majority of the workload. Um, obviously, Swift got more touches, but the two people that stand out in this game, we knew we know what they mean to their teams. Debo Samuel's nine receptions, hundred eighty nine yards, touchdown. Did fumble it, and T.J. Hawkinson, he's going to have a great career. He's going to be a big target for the Detroit Lions. Eight receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Why did I leave Hawk on my bench? I don't know. Oof. I really don't. I was playing the matchup games. but um, And Debo, uh, so annoying. I never thought Debo was... The greatest. The thing is, is what was it? Seventy-five of those. Was it a seventy-five? How many? How many yards? Yeah, well, no. He's seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Yeah, he's but, he's gonna get behind the defense, but that's what the Niners need him to do if they can establish their run game. Yeah. And then on the flip side of the quarterback, like I don't understand why Garoppolo gets as much negative press. And then people are like, well, Goff went for 338 and three touchdowns. <laughs> His interception was huge to start, and he's just not – the Rams would have a Super Bowl against the Patriots if we had any other quarterback. It's not like Tom Brady beat us in that Super Bowl. You know what's funny is that the pick six that he threw ended up the, the winning score. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from the greatest quarterback in Tom Brady or or maybe the second 1A with Joe Montana, but if we had any other person that could move the ball in that Super Bowl, we would have won that Super Bowl. A lot of good defensive performances in this game. Like I said, Dre Greenlaw, 39-yard pick six off of Goff. Um, and then, I mean, you have your pick of the other defensive performances, really. Pick one, Mark. Who do you want to go with? I'm just going to go with a big name, Nick Bosa, coming back. Four tackles, four sack, solo. One sack, three tackles for a loss, and two quarterback hits. The Bosas are the real deal. 
also up for comeback player of the year this year. <laughs> Off of ACL last year. Lions, like I said, the betting community was horribly pissed off about this game. <laughs> the Lions with the backdoor cover. They were down 41 to 17 with 10 about 10 minutes to go. They scored two touchdowns in a matter of uh 46 seconds in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I still think that with the way Dan Campbell is, you know, you either like him or you don't. He he is high energy. He's intense. He's going to say things that you don't like. People are saying they're going to be the worst team. By far not the worst team in the NFL after week one. What's crazy is that George Kittle isn't on the screen. And he had a, he had a, he had a good day. I mean, four, he had a good game. Four for 78 off five targets, but just – didn't score, and he wasn't the leading receiver, so he's not on here. Uh, yeah, like I said, backdoor cover for the Lions with 107 to go, plus 9.5, um, because of George Kittle, actually, fumbling that uh, onside kick, and then over 46. How about this next one? What a route in Nashville by the Cardinals. 38-13, Kyler Murray, five total touchdowns, and the other guy that had five of something... The money man, hoping to be the money man because he's on the last year of his deal. Chandler Jones, five sacks, four tackles for loss, and six quarterback hits. Gosh. Okay. I don't know how to unpack this besides um, we, we can talk about the coach and how he didn't have a winning record in college but he knows what to do with the quarterback that he has. I don't like the completion, 21 of 32, but I do like five total touchdowns. I mean, any anytime you're playing a football game, that's huge. And is Chandler Jones a recipient of having someone else on his defensive line that's not <laughs> on the screen, or is he just really motivated would be my other question. Well... Mr. Watt on the stat sheet put up two tackles, both being a solos and one tackle for loss. <laughs> and I, people, I mean, they were only minus three or plus. Titans were what up three when minus, I picked minus them. Three, yeah. And I went with position players, and I know that they have Eric Henry, who is a two thousand yard rusher. <laughs> But you have Kyler Murray, who can get out of the pocket. And I really believe in DeAndre Hopkins being the best wide receiver, even though he's not necessarily like one-handed catches like Odell Beckham. And I'm not putting Odell Beckham as the best. You have Julio Jones, but he, he is age. You look over the years of just someone that's been totally consistent – and it's DeAndre Hopkins. You're talking about in Houston when you didn't have Deshaun Watson, he was really good. Then you did have Deshaun Watson. Now you have Kyler Murray. And when I looked at this game, I said, I'm taking the Cardinals. Dude, his first touchdown catch was ridiculous. <laughs> the, he, I don't care that he didn't go over 
a hundred yards, which you would like a receiver to go over, but he had two touchdowns and he had six receptions on eight targets. So did Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk scored twice too. I was surprised because I thought at the best Christian Kirk was the third receiver because I thought they had elevated AJ Green to the second spot. Um, and then they also needed to get targets to Rondale Moore. Uh, A.J. Green got six targets, but only caught two of them for 25 yards. So it was – Kyler spread the ball around quite a bit. Um, so did Ryan Tannehill, though. And the, two fumbles, the dumbest thing, The dumbest thing that I'll say for the Titans is that Chester Rogers ended up being their leading receiver. Um. Julio sucked. Well, three receptions think, for 29 yards off of six targets. I think losing Jonu Smith is going to be a, a problem moving forward for the Titans. Yeah, I was disappointed by Ferkser. Uh, three receptions for 19 yards off of four targets. So, but yeah, they, I mean, the, the Cardinals defense outside of Chandler Jones, though, really surprised me. Um, I didn't think that they would be able to hold the, the receivers down for Tennessee, um, nor did I think they would be able to really eliminate Derrick Henry like they did. And um, Byron Murphy held it down with three pass deflections. Great game. So, yeah, uh, back to the drawing board for Mike Vrabel. And they, they had to figure out I – mean, I mean, they have Taylor Luan at left tackle, but he was still getting beat by Chandler Jones. The right hey. tackle is the, the biggest issue, but – when, when you look at the, the NFC West, that's the one reason I like the Cardinals is what, what running back are you scared of? Yeah. And so if you can eliminate someone like Derrick Henry, Henry, can you get to the quarterbacks that are good in the NFC West? Um, Cardinals plus two and a half, under 54. I know a lot of people got pissed off about this game for the over-under as well because it was this exact score in the third quarter. It was exactly 38 to 10 with 306 to go in the third quarter. <laughs> and overbetters were salivating. And nothing happened in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that is literally a, a, a bad beat. I, I didn't watch SVP this weekend for the bad beat show. Um, but I would have to think that that was definitely on there, as well as the Lions backdoor cover. Okay, Seahawks beating the Colts in Indy 28-16. And what did Pete Carroll do? He let Russ cook. Four touchdowns for Russell Wilson, a little under 80% completion. Um, Chris Carson had a good game outside of, and I said this on on the preview, that's really Chris Carson's only issue is that he fumbles the ball. But I was happy, though. It it seemed like in the past, 
when he would put the ball on the ground, Pete Carroll would be like, no, you're done. Uh, but he didn't do that in this game. He, he stuck with Chris, and uh, it paid off. Uh, it was 16 carries for 91 yards to go with three receptions and 26. And I, In my mind, though, I was thinking about it when I was thinking about this game, and I was like, well, I think they used to do that because they had a quality backup in Carlos Hyde, who they don't have anymore. Um, and we'll also see when we get to injuries that um, they lost another running back in this game for a couple weeks. So, yeah. My, my takeaways is Russell Wilson always starts. <laughs> I think last year we talked about him being an MVP candidate the first four games, right? Yeah. So he always cooks. But I was, Lockett was the, the difference in this game. The Colts could not keep up with them downfield. It was just like, okay, Wilson drops back. I know he only had four receptions, but 25-yard average. Can you like, – you can't jam him at the line if you can't keep up with him. And then DK Metcalf also, you know, a touchdown. And their linebackers came to play today. Or yesterday, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, 13 tackles, six solo, one tackle for loss, one pass deflection. Jordan Brooks, 11 tackles, seven solo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wentz didn't play poorly in this game. The turnover issues, came, his fumbling issues came back. Um, he put it on the ground once, but... Uh, I was disappointed by Jonathan Taylor. I didn't think the Seahawks' defense was that great, um, and I thought he had a good opportunity to have a, a really good game. He did save his fantasy performance with the six receptions for 60 yards. That's 12 points right there. Um, but uh, <coughs> did not expect Zach Paschal to be the leading receiver for the, the, the Colts in this one. Um, scored twice. It seems like... Carson Wentz likes him, maybe. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, and actually, he wasn't the leading receiver, technically. Jonathan Taylor had 60 yards receiving. And behind him, even, Naheem Hines had 48. Um, those two combined for 12 of Carson's 25 completions. So, Well, what's funny is someone's name that you just mentioned that's not on this screen, who just got paid a lot of money, is... Is, is not on the screen. Yeah, nine carries, 34 yards, six receptions, 48 yards on eight targets. I don't think I would have shelled out that much money. Yeah, they actually said he's the, uh, I think, like, sixth highest paid running back right now. Yeah. <laughs> At six million per year. But, yeah, Buckner had a good game. Benson Mayoa, Rasheem Green, Daryl Taylor all having good games for Seattle. Seahawks covered minus three under. 49. So it's a shocker. Um, really don't know what to say. I mean, Justin Herbert just shredded the Washington defense. That's really the only reason they won. I mean, that Fitzy getting hurt possibly, but he wasn't really playing that well anyways. Um, it was really Antonio Gibson carrying the load for Washington in this game and yeah, I mean, Herbert to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams all day. Keenan Allen is a really good 
wide receiver. I don't know what he would look like on another team, but he's just he, – he's a man in San Diego. Or, sorry, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eckler scored the first touchdown in this game. Eckler actually scored the first touchdown of the NFL season. Um, he did. The Sunday, the Sunday game, I should say. We had the Thursday games. But, um, yeah, of the Sunday slate, Eckler scored the first one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other than Justin Herbert in this game, I don't think there's anything else that was special. I mean, I thought Heineke played pretty well for coming in during the game. And, I mean, th- we saw that. We saw that in the playoff game against the Bucks. We know Heineke can do it. Uh, bolstered by a, a great defense and and a running game with Antonio Gibson, so we'll see what it looks like um, with Heineke in a full game against the Giants on Thursday. I think Ron Rivera's teams are are, are well coached. You know, L.A. had to come across. Was it in Washington or in L.A.? Washington. You know, obviously, it was in Washington because of the Rams and Bears. So they had to come across the pond, and you know they took care of business. You already slated that Herbert's the difference. We both believe in Herbert moving forward. Um, something that I wrote down that I was reading this morning after the Fitzpatrick injury, and we'll talk about later, is since 1999, which I think was that the – that wasn't the Super Bowl, not their Super Bowl season, but some season when they had, like, solidified the, the quarterback in Washington – since 1999 or or something like that, I forget the year, they cycled through 41 quarterbacks. Mm, yeah. Whether that's injuries, starters, whatever has happened, and it's, it's remarkable. It's one of those things when you look at, like, the Steelers division, when you're comparing them to the Bengals and the Browns, you had <laughs> – Roethlisberger through all these years, they're another team that just hasn't found a rhythm at the quarterback position. Yeah, I uh, just want to say the Ravens Raiders is kicking off. I know. I apologize. We're going very long. It's yeah. Right. We're having a good time though, Mark. I, I like it. It's, We're watching it though. I have it on my phone. Hopefully, it doesn't die of thirteen percent. I don't have my charger with me right now. It's out in the living room, actually. It's right around the corner, but I don't feel like getting it. 13% low power mode. We're good. Uh, yeah, a lot of good defensive performances. Jonathan Allen, uh, sack, tackle for loss, three QB hits. Joey Bosa, one sack, two QB hits. And William Jackson had a good performance in his first game in Washington, two pass deflections and a pick. Chargers plus two under 46. Dude, Bruce Buffer is, like, going everywhere. He, he was at the Rams game last night saying it's ready to rumble. And now he's in Vegas? I mean, that's not well, a, I mean, that, that, that's a short trip. That's a short trip, but like... And he's used to Las Vegas fights and whatnot. Yeah. I don't want to even talk about this game because we all, I'm sure, picked the Jags and said that the Texans have the worst roster in the NFL. But I don't know that I believe that anymore. Yeah. Uh, Talked about Zach Wilson struggling. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was not good in this one. 
Now, he saved it with the 332 yards and three touchdowns, but under 60%. Uh, the three interceptions stood out a lot. And, I mean, this is a, a prototypical Tyrod performance. I mean, he's efficient, 63.6, 291, two touchdowns, also ran for 40 yards. I mean, that's that's... Seems to me like a typical Tyrod Taylor stat line. So when I was, I watched this game as much as I could because it was painful. It's not like the Texans were like world beaters. I kept thinking, you know, he took Buffalo to the playoffs, even though his defense carried everything for him. And Trevor Lawrence did not look good, and I, I, I just. I should have thought when I picked this game, like, you had Brandon Cooks on the outside. Look at his stats. Five receptions, 132 yards. He moved the ball. You have Philip Lindsay. David Johnson really didn't rack up. Neither one of them racked up a bunch of yards, but they got into the end zone, if that makes sense. And I should have maybe – for a better word, banked on people like that instead of Urban Meyer not being in the league before, having a rookie quarterback. I need to start listening to my gut, which is I would call intuition, because I was like, why am I picking the Jaguars? But I was like, no way. The Texans went through all this stuff in the summer. They've given everybody away. And it it wasn't even close like, the score isn't even that close. It was, it was out of hand. Oh, my. The Raiders, third and one. Marcus Mariota. Wow. I was I almost had a heart attack because I thought he was going to score the first touchdown, and I have Darren Waller scoring the first touchdown. Um, so, I was very, very uh, excited that he got tackled there. Looked like he got dinged up, too. Um Luckily, so, now. So maybe he's done again. He's been dinged up a bunch with the Raiders, but um, yeah, I was disappointed. I started Philip Lindsay in fantasy because I thought he was gonna lead, be the lead guy, but no, it's Mark Ingram. Twenty six carries, eighty five yards, and a touchdown. He doesn't catch the ball. That's the only issue with his fantasy performances. Um, I was also disappointed by DJ Chark. Not. Yeah. Um, he did catch a long touchdown, like 30-something yards, but 12 targets, only converting three of those, that's not even close to good enough. So The Jags might be, not might be, they, they could be the worst team. Yeah. What's crazy, but I think the craziest thing for this one was Danny Amendola caught five balls for 34 yards and a touchdown, all five of his targets. The man was with the team for, like, five days. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I mean, that's that's a solid performance by him. And please, Vegas, get a first down, Derek Carr. Um, we'll say Christian Kirksey had a good game. Six tackles, five solos, two tackles lost, two pass selections, and a pick. Texas Texans plus three over. 46. Chiefs coming back to beat the Browns 33 to 20. 
nine. Patrick Mahomes moves to eleven and zero in September. Um, what a catch, dude, by Darren Waller. My goodness. Browns now one, twenty one and one, in Week One, since they returned in nineteen ninety nine, which is just ridiculous. That's uh, that was one of the stats that I put down. So thanks for saying that. <laughs> the other takeaways I have from this game is I knew this was going to be a good game. I never thought it was going to be a blowout coming into this game. And uh, Darren Waller is special. But um, what I've heard consistently since yesterday is, oh, my gosh, Patrick Mahomes is – well, he, he, he is, besides Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the league. What I put down on paper to talk about, the one person that won this game and made Patrick Mahomes – look as good as he did was Tyreek Hill, people. Tyreek Hill is a special wide receiver. I don't know where you guys want to rank him with the best wide receivers in the league right now, but this is a this is the reason the Chiefs won this game. Hands down, I will argue it until I'm blue in the face with anyone that wants to argue. <coughs> yeah, the the Browns were in control it was 22 to 10 at halftime for Cleveland. Um, 10, 10 straight for the, the Chiefs in the third quarter. Browns took a nine point lead with 10.24 to go. 14 seconds later, the Chiefs get within two and then 7.04 to go after a mishandle on the, on the punt from Jamie Gillen. Um, Mishandled, tackled inside the ten yard line for the the Chiefs and uh, easy touchdown for Travis Kelsey there. But yeah, I thought Baker played very well. Uh, and yeah, I mean Mahomes gonna is gonna be rolling with his Mahomes like he usually is, and uh, that's exactly what they did. I will say this: the the one difference in the game, the the two differences besides Tyreek Hill. Right. If I, if I'm if I'm just giving a synopsis of why one team will win and why one won't, Cleveland did get in the backfield, and that is the difference of having a great quarterback in Mahomes. He was able to avoid pressure. The 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 fake that he had on the way to his one rushing touchdown was phenomenal. <laughs> we we were watching it together, and my wife was like, "Oh oh my god!" And I was like, "That's how special he is." But when I talk about Tyreek Hill, that's what Baker Mayfield doesn't have. You you have Jarvis Landry, who is a good wide receiver, but he's nowhere near Tyreek Hill. And if he had a Tyreek Hill on his team, the Browns, in my opinion, would have smoked the Chiefs. They would have kept that 22 to, to 10 lead. And I even text you guys and was like, the the throw that he made before halftime to get into the field goal range, the pocket was collapsing. He stepped up and he threw it in a window about this big in between two defenders right where the field goal range was. And then two plays after that, he got sacked. Well, no, he overthrew it in the end zone, got sacked twice, and they did that little fun um, tossing behind you and they didn't make it to the end zone. 
And that's what they're lacking. And I don't know if Odell Beckham steps into that and then the Browns have what the Chiefs have, but they can play with big-time teams. They just have to close games. And I, and I also, I mean, not to, I think this was the most intriguing game of the whole weekend. I think what Stefanski is doing with the Browns is amazing because you look back at Hugh Jackson or you look back at Freddie, Freddie Kitchens, and more importantly, Freddie Kitchens. It's the same offense besides maybe Hearns there, which they didn't really use. They do have a little bit better defense. But this is a better coach team than Freddie Kitchens. And look at them. They win a playoff game. They're competing with Kansas City in the first week. Yeah. Uh, This game was just as close as it was in the playoffs. Uh, I was surprised that uh, David Njoku was the leading receiver for Cleveland after he requested a trade in the offseason. And uh, no OBJ in this one. So Jarvis and, and Njoku and the other guys. Anthony Schwartz had a pretty good game his first season as a rookie. So, uh, oh, good Lord. How about, uh, how about Harrison pushing a coach on the sideline? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Jones had himself a day. Two sacks, two tackles, lost, two QB hits. Browns did cover, plus five and a half. Um, and that Washington game was the one that screwed that little three-legger. I had Browns plus six and a half and uh, the under 54 and a half in the Steelers game. And uh, Washington minus one couldn't couldn't cover that. So, All right, over 55 hit in this one. Yes, sir. Uh, Dolphins uh, beat the Patriots. Hit our dog hit 17 to 16. Now, I will say Mac Jones played very well um, in his first game as a, as a Patriot. Um, I was not as happy with Tua's performance, but at the same time, we already know New England's defense is very good, so I wasn't as disappointed because I know it's against a quality defense. So, he also Scored twice, including the game-winning touchdown on the rushing one. So, how about uh, Nelson Aguilar? He only, uh, you know, Mister Butterfingers for you guys. Yeah, well, he corrected that in Vegas last year, and uh, he's gonna have to be the leading receiver for the Patriots. In, in a receiving room that doesn't have any star power. Um, especially, I mean, they don't have Nikhil Harry. He's on IR right now. Don't know how much he was supposed to do anyways. The tight ends really didn't factor into this game, Hunter Henry or Janu. So what I was excited to see, though, is that we already talked about uh, Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith's Alabama connection. Well, the other one, the other first-round Alabama guy also found his Alabama connection for his first career touchdown in this one with Jalen Waddle scoring uh, four receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. 
Parker, though, well, I, Devontae Parker, him and Tua's connection continued to uh, flourish from last season. He Parker. loves Devontae Parker. I will say there's a college connection when you get when you get on on a roster. I mean, even Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow, that's the LSU connection. Not that they, you know, have one the way that others do, but there's some uh, familiarity. Yeah, and uh, this game came down to the man that ran for 100 yards on 23 carries, fumbled the ball inside the 25-yard line, uh, and that's, yeah. that's what uh, won the Dolphins the game, luckily. Uh, I was very excited. I was getting scared because I thought that the Patriots were going to win. And then uh, Dolphins, I, I, Dolphins defense. I was scared. My, my, my thing moving forward is – there might be a lot of scores like this in the division the entire year. And that's what I want to see Tua. I want him to take a leap because his defense is that good. And so start scoring some points. There are going to be a lot of scores like this in the division until uh, the Bills play the Jets twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. So, defensively, I don't know. Actually, I do know. Sam Iguavan, the man that was on a tear in the preseason that made the final 53, great first game, six tackles, two solos, and three hits on Mac Jones. This this next game, let's take two seconds and move on. Dolphins plus three and a half covers under... 44. Can we get a stop, Raiders? That'd be cool. Uh, and there goes Lamar. Good lord. No, because we picked the Ravens, I think. I need Darren, I need Darren Walter to score the first touchdown. <laughs> and then the Ravens can win. I don't care. All right, yeah, Saints. Worst football game I've seen in years. Just annihilating the, the Packers in Jacksonville. Uh the thing is, is Jameis didn't have to do much. Five touchdowns off of 14 completions. Um, Packers secondary couldn't cover anyone. They couldn't really stop Alvin Kamara. And uh, the Saints defense came to play. Look, this I don't know the worst rating of... Aaron Rodgers' career, but 36.8 might be it. I understand why the Saints now wanted to move this to Jacksonville because I think they had a couple other options. Mm-hmm. There's a I don't remember the statistic, but the Packers are terrible in in the state of Florida. We we saw it last yeah. year when they went to Tampa. Um, and the other thing that I find funny is. And I, and I saw it in college, too. I, I forget the game I was watching when they um, they said it wasn't a fumble because it was a forward pass. Look, Jameis Winston pitched it to Alvin Kamara for his touchdown. When I was playing football and even you, that would have been like – that's a running – it's a designed running play, and they're giving these quarterbacks uh, – uh, he really had four – Four touchdowns and Kamara had a rushing touchdown. Let's be honest about that. 
he comes across the line. You 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 pitch it. It's not it's not even a you pitch it in the air. And I guess since he catches it in the air, it's a pass. I don't know when that happened. All these rules and, and stats are changing, but it's a run play. If that's the case, Emmett Smith would have ten times more <laughs> receiving touchdowns than he did rushing touchdowns as a quarterback because he half of his touchdowns with the big three in Dallas were pitches to the outside that no one runs anymore. That's all I have to say. This was a terrible, terrible game. I turned it off in the second quarter. I was puking. Yeah, it it was a double-edged sword. I was – I <laughs> I have Aaron Rodgers in my um, dynasty league. I was playing against him in my fraternity league. Obviously, I won or will win in my fraternity league this week. I am – have already lost in my dynasty league because all our players are done. But um, it was an interesting topic today at, at school with uh, a lot of Packers fans here in Wisconsin. Uh, oh. I, I am friends with a Saints fan here, so uh, he was wearing his Saints hat, his Tulane sweatshirt, which was nice. sort of funny. But um, the one on. thing, the one thing I thought was okay. I picked these guys to go deep in the playoffs, and I was. And I am buying the hype that this is the last go-around because even Aaron Rodgers is saying it. But the one thing that did worry me, and I said it in the preseason when we talked about preseason games, is I don't care if it was their second team defense. Their defense is atrocious. Mm. Yeah. I thought that they would be able to go down the field with Devontae Adams. I thought they could do this. I think the Packers – and that's what – commentating is all about, right? You turn on ESPN, you turn on Fox, you turn on CBS. They want to throw fire at week one. If this happens in week two, then I think we have a discussion like the Packers are in trouble. Yeah. Uh, I forget who they're playing in week two, but I I don't think this will occur again. But uh, I got to shout out my boy. Even though I hated the Saints won this one. But tight end Juwan Johnson, converted receiver, Penn State guy. Three catches, 21 yards, and two touchdowns. One very athletic uh, jump in the, at a high ball from, from Jameis there. And probably Marcus Davenport, uh, a sack, two Tucker Swanson, a QB hit. Not much else defensive statistics going on. And then, obviously, we had the... Uh, Premier League lacrosse player scoring a touchdown as well, Mr. Hogan. So, come on, yep. Raiders! This is your third straight third down. Get a freaking stop! Oh my God, what a pass rush from Max Crosby! Oh my, he was not up, dude. He was down, dude. Max Crosby is lighting up the Ravens right now. He and I was a good stat that I saw uh, that they showed on ESPN there. He has 17 career sacks, the most out of the 2019 NFL draft class, um, and he was the 106th pick out of Eastern Michigan. So, yeah, uh, Saints plus three and a half under 49. Broncos 27-13 win over the Giants. Uh, yeah, Daniel Jones. <laughs> What's new? He fumbled the ball again. <laughs> 
I will say Teddy B looked looked pretty good in his first game. Um, very efficient. We that's what we get from uh, from Teddy Bridgewater. You know that's what we're gonna get. Not a lot of downfield passing. Only two sixty four on twenty eight completions, but did score twice. Melvin Gordon wouldn't have had those stats if he didn't run uh, for seventy yard touchdown. So there's that. And uh, Saquon had a terrible game against a top seven defense. How about Von Miller coming back? Three tackles, three solo, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, two quarterbacks hits. I think he's got a lot of football left in him. Jerry Judy, six receptions, 72 yards on seven targets. Talk about The him. key is what we will talk about later in the NFL news. Yeah, Albert O scoring a touchdown. <laughs> Albert... Albert Owebunum. Sterling Shepard had a huge game, too. Uh-huh. I did not expect him to be the number one receiver. <laughs> but Dan, Daniel Jones has that connection with him already. I don't need, did, Galladay didn't play. I don't think. I, I don't know. Uh, Broncos minus three cover, under 42. Let's talk about this game. Sunday night football, Rams trouncing the Bears in their home opener. First game at SoFi Stadium with the fans. Um, dude, I mean, was I right or was I right after one week? Uh, Matthew Stafford, MVP. I haven't been excited about football my football teams because when you have hope for my football teams they always go but you give Matthew Stafford weapons he had time and he goes downfield he's a tough-nosed player and the first touchdown just showed you he just flick of the wrist boom on target no one touches him gets up runs for a touchdown you know what you're going to get out of your defense I, I, I'm excited. I, I'm on that MVP train with you. Or I, I, I'm with you. Cooper Cup, I loved, I loved, I loved their connection. Seven receptions on 10 targets, 108 yards, a touchdown. Van Jefferson, no one, I don't think, thought he would have a touchdown. Two receptions, 80 yards. That was kind of big for me. The quiet one was, was Robert oh. Woods. That has been a big factor. Yeah, uh, Robert Woods' touchdown was ridiculous. Saved his fantasy performance, really. Um, otherwise, didn't do anything. I mean, only only got four targets. So, Allen Robinson was a disappointment in this one. Um, I think it is starting to simmer for Bears fans. Um, the, the Justin Fields thing... He scored his first career touchdown too. wasn't a passing, but uh, did did run a touchdown in. And uh, David Montgomery, though, I agreed with uh, Al and Chris. And if the Bears are going to do something, it has to go through David Montgomery. 
Uh, I didn't expect him to do what he did running for 100 yards on on the Rams' really solid defense. But um, That's the one thing that scares me as a Rams fan. Even though you have Aaron Donald, if you look back at all of our seasons, we're – we're not that good against the run. Yeah, uh, definitely the the weak point in the Rams' defense in this one, and it's an all-out blitz for the Ravens on third and ten. And Derek Carr, oh my God, he had him, dude. He did. What the heck, bro? I will, I will say this about Matt Nagy and his decision not to start Justin Fields. I actually heard this from Jalen Rose listening to Jalen Jacoby on a drive to North Carolina last week. And I agree with what he said. He didn't say that Justin Fields is not going to be the starter, but why would you put a rookie in his first game under his from the beginning going against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey? Let's see how this first game goes. Aaron Donald doesn't play very well. All right. Then the next week we're going to prepare you and boom. We're starting after this week. And so I, I I agreed with his analysis on that. Yeah, Justin Hollins for the Rams defense. Eight tackles, six solos, two sacks, one tackle floss, and a quarterback hit. Aaron Donald did eventually get a sack after he was close about three times prior to that. Rams did cover minus nine and a half over 47 by Uno. Okay, finally done with the the uh, game recaps here. NCAA news. We already talked about uh, Texas A&M quarterback Haynes King out several weeks. He has a fractured ankle. But let's get into the, uh, the, the bomb that dropped during the beginning of the show. It is. USC has fired... Head coach Clay Helton after seven plus seasons, forty six and twenty four, in those years, and it's like what? What does USC do? Um, I know I didn't see it coming, um, and I, I really don't know where they go. Especially because I still think, even with the, the the trouncing that Stanford gave them, I still think that they can get it done. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see if uh, when Mark comes back. But uh, <laughs> in terms of time, I know we're we're way over right now. But uh, the Bills. NFL news here, the couple restructures. Bills converted $5.2 million of safety Jordan Poyer's base into a signing bonus that created $2.6 million in cap space. Packers converting $1.213 million um, of corner Chandler Sullivan's, Chandon Sullivan's base into a signing bonus creating $970,000 in cap space. Also added four void years. Um, so those couple restructures help. And Nathaniel, how are you doing, sir? Um, great to have you on. You're muted. You need to learn how to use use Zoom. <laughs> uh, I want to. It's great to be here, Rusty. Uh, came over to Mark's house. 
Uh, and, you know, we're going to watch some uh, Thursday – or not Thursday, uh, Monday night football. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Uh, you were yelling at me for being too long, and we're, like, astronomically long tonight, but um, having a good time. Mark yeah, and I just good. talking ball. Um, whenever Mark gets back, I need to get his thoughts on Clay Helton's firing from USC, so – yeah, Mark just uh, left uh, to go to the bathroom real quick. So. Um, He's actually going to be right back soon. But anyways. I can't believe that USC fired him. <laughs> I mean, I, I cannot believe it. What are your aspirations, I guess, with a, a Heisman candidate? But there's been no stability at yeah. USC since Pete Keller, Carroll left. And for me, when you look at your favorite team, the Steelers, they have stability, and you have to build that eventually. What a tackle right there by uh, John Abraham. Abram, I think. But, yeah, dude, uh, 46-24 and 24 in seven-plus seasons for Helton at USC. It's, it's a marquee job. I mean, it was funny. I saw a tweet that said uh, something along the lines that, um, like, Jags fans – when they see Urban Meyer talk about uh, or take the USC job. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Already talked about the uh, couple restructures that we had on the slate here. Um, but let's get into the Texans. They wanted... A, a ridiculous package, uh, a combination of six players and draft picks, um, six players or draft picks, any combination of six would have worked um, for quarterback Deshaun Watson this offseason. So whether that be six players, five players, and a draft pick, and so on, uh, any combination of six they wanted for Deshaun Watson. I don't think you get that. With what's going on? No, no. You could have got that before all of this. Does that make sense? You could have got the whole hey. NFL. I don't know about that. Six six players is a lot. If, if depending on quality of player. After his first year or second year, and he was scrambling around throwing those touchdowns. Every team would have jumped on two first-round picks. I don't, I don't know about the six players. I would have paid but, three first-round picks and uh, a mid-level player. It's just I. They're not gonna. My. They. They're not gonna get it now. And I. No. They said. Is, they said it might heat up around the trade deadline, though. My my take on it is I think that's fluff. And what you're really going to get for them if they do trade them is going to be drastically different than what they're saying right now. Yep. Okay, uh, let's go into some extensions that happened this weekend. Um, a very unexpected one that just dropped uh, Saturday. The Eagles, they signed left tackle Jordan Mailata to a four-year $64 million extension. 80 million max, uh, 40.85 million guaranteed. That's a lot of money 
I, I, you have more of a, do you like this? What I like about this is his story. If no one knows it, he actually is a rugby player mm -hmm. and you should look up his highlights. He demolished people in rugby. Yeah. I believe he's a uh, six, eight, three eighty, something like that. Um, he looked good on Sunday. That he did. Uh, I was, like I said, very surprised that this happened. He was on the last year of his deal. Um, fighting. Oh, of course it's Tyson Williams. <laughs> Why did I not think that, like, wouldn't happen? But, you know, it helps my fantasy team. That's fine. So, uh, and it helps our pick. So that's, that's cool. But, uh, yeah, back to Mylotta. He was battling former first-round pick Andre Dillard for the left tackle spot. Dillard's been hurt the last couple of seasons. But it's a lot of confidence in, in what they're seeing in Mylotta. They also love their offensive line staff in Philadelphia. Um, so, you know, it, I think it's good. They're getting in front of the market uh, because – you know, as we've seen with the with some people, you know, if you sign a guy early that that isn't proven yet, and then he turns out to be a, a Pro Bowl or a, an all you know a uh, All Pro caliber player, I mean, you're way ahead in in market value, and I think that's what the Eagles are trying to do. So. Pretty pretty good extension, and and we know Howie Howie is a, is a really good GM. I don't want to compare him to, to to people because linemen are different, but he reminds me of uh, Villanueva with the Steelers. Like he didn't have the same road to the NFL, and they're really big, athletic linemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that was. Beautiful run. I wish we could have put that on the screen. The uh, other extension that happened literally right after the game, I heard they said it, or they announced it right after the game anyways. The Saints, they signed corner Marshawn Lattimore to a five-year, $97.6 million extension. It is uh, $100 million max. He gets $44 million fully guaranteed, $68.3 million in total guarantees. Um, but he is week-to-week uh, -week right now with a thumb injury that he uh, picked up in the Packers game. So, Marshawn Lattimore signing an extension. You have to – I think with the Saints, you have to do that. the way that their secondary was depleted. Yeah, and uh, how he played against Devontae Adams this this weekend, uh, I think, just helped that. I don't know if like that was the thing that put it over the top, but it does help them with a little bit of salary cap room, pushing that money to the back. So, uh, yeah, I'm hating myself because Tyson Williams was plus 950 first touchdown score, so that's good. Um, all right, that's fine. Like I said, it helps my fantasy team, and it helps our pick for uh, tonight's game. So, the Saint, we'll stick with the Saints. Uh, they released and then re-signed defensive tackle Montrevious Adams today. 
Uh, and they also signed familiar face safety Jeff Heath uh, to the practice squad there. Titans, they had some kicker issues. We were making fun of their kicker issues on uh, Friday, making fun of Sa kicker Sam Ficken. Well, they placed him on IR right before the game. Uh, Randy Bullock, they signed to the practice squad. And I am blanking on who actually kicked for them in the game. It was whoever they had on their practice squad. That happened a lot. Oh, Michael Badgley. Yeah, Chris's guy. Michael Badgley kicked in that game. Uh, he got elevated right before the game. That happened a couple spots, though. It was weird. Like, there were just kickers being put on IR and, and getting elevated off the practice squad for the game. I was like, what is going on? There's like three or four teams that did that this weekend. Uh, all right, let's get into injuries from week one. The Cardinals, they placed linebacker Dennis Gardeck uh, with a hand injury on IR. Uh, that actually happened before the game. So did these two things. Um, the Lions, they placed left tackle Taylor Decker on IR after his finger surgery. Um, and then... The Eagles, just today, they activated defensive tackle T.Y. McGill off of the COVID list. Unfortunately for him, they also waived him today uh, in, in the same transaction there. Okay, now we'll get the week one injuries. So, starting off with San Francisco, running back Raheem Mostert. He suffered a knee injury, um, chipped knee cartilage. Ouch. He's going to go on IR. Probably out about eight weeks. Um, so it'll be Elijah Mitchell going forward with, I would think, Trey Sermon, who was a surprise inactive uh, in the game this weekend against Detroit. The Niners also lost corner Jason Verrett. Uh, he suffered a torn ACL, done for the year. Heartbreaking for him. I mean, he just... Throughout his career, he, he cannot cannot stay healthy. Um, so. You get The uh, Washington football team, we kind of mentioned it. They have a quarterback situation, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's out about six to eight weeks, hip subluxation. If you don't know what that means, it means he dislocated his hip. Um, they were having an MRI just to uh, confirm, just to make sure there wasn't any structural damage and it looked pretty clean. That That's the positive in this, but with his age, I not that he's ever been... of Fitzpatrick. He, he's a Harvard grad. He's actually very... When I say intelligent, he's intelligent because he's very funny if you have ever seen anything i've been live to one of his interviews and it's like the greatest experience of my life but i don't see him this could be the the light at the end of the he doesn't have a lot of seasons left in him yeah i, I agree um in a in a move to go along with putting him on ir they uh, signed corner uh, quarterback Kyle Shermer to the practice squad just to get another arm in practice. Uh, so it'll be Taylor Heineke going forward along with uh, Kyle Allen as his backup. I don't, I don't know if they have 
Steven Montez still. I don't think they do. <coughs> the Jets had a couple of injuries this weekend as well. Um, biggest one being left tackle Makai Becton. He has an MCL sprain and dislocated his kneecap. Uh, he's going to be out about four to six weeks after he has arthroscopic knee surgery. Um, I think tomorrow they said he's going under for that. Also with the Jets, safety LaMarcus Joyner. He has a torn elbow tendon. Um, more than likely will miss the rest of the season with that. Did you? Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, 49. <laughs> the, the Lions, they lost corner Jeff Okuda, uh, number three overall pick last season. Um to a ruptured Achilles. He is out for the season. That um, very bad. Very, very bad for the Lions. They could not afford to lose their best corner. And that's exactly what they did. So uh, I would assume their best corner is, once again, just like it was last year, Amani Aruarie from, <laughs> from Penn State. Third year guy, I believe he is. The Broncos had two injuries as well. Uh, wide receiver Jerry Judy, he has a high ankle sprain out four to six weeks. Big blow for them. I don't think it's as big of a blow considering what all they have um, at the skill positions. So, And then they also uh, had a, a scary situation, offensive lineman Graham Glasgow. He had an elevated heartbeat during the game. They, they took him to the hospital. He uh, stayed overnight in New York. He should be heading back to Denver either today or tomorrow, um, continuing to be el uh, evaluated there. So at the monitor, Glasgow situation. The Bears have their own offensive line situation. Um, Left tackles Jason Peters has a quad injury, and, and his backup, Larry Borum, the rookie out of Missouri, injured his ankle in the game last night. They were that, that's a, that was a scary situation. They were playing their third-string left tackle against Aaron Donald. Um, <laughs> so. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of Jason Peters is injury-prone at this point. Um, being 39, 40 years old, whatever. The Saints uh, pass rusher Marcus Davenport, he has a pec injury. I haven't heard any update on uh, how long he is out or if he is day-to-day -day or whatnot. Browns offense tackle Jedrick Wills, he is day-to-day -day with an ankle injury. And I kind of mentioned this before, but the Seahawks running back Rashad Penny, he re-aggravated his calf injury from the preseason. Uh, expected to go on IR probably uh, for maybe the minimum minimum of three weeks and uh, come back. So backups now uh, are going to be Travis Homer, Alex Collins, I believe. A lot of offensive line injuries this weekend. Uh, Patriots offensive tackle Trent Brown. Uh, he has a minor calf strain day-to-day -day with that one. Uh, and then some some stuff for tonight's game that's going on right now. The 
Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, he is playing. Um, did look like he got nicked up on that first drive, but then he went back in, so uh, I would assume he's still okay. And then uh, before tonight's game, the Ravens, they elevated corner Anthony Levine and uh, defensive lineman Justin Ellis from the practice squad. Um, Jimmy Smith, the Pro Bowl corner, is not playing in this game for Baltimore. So that's why Anthony Levine is key. And then a couple additions to some practice squads, some some notable names. Raiders, they signed safety HaHa Clinton Dix to theirs. And the Panthers, they they signed uh, corner Rashawn Melvin to their practice squad. So one one injury update. I don't know if you wanted to save it for Friday, but happened during the podcast. Michael Gallup is on injury reserve for the next three weeks for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think we mentioned uh, on Friday that the timeline was three to five. I think. So, makes sense that they, they officially okay. put him on IR. Uh, all right, let's get to our pick standings. Here they are from last year. Let's go. Let's uh, see. Chris, Chris won the let's Monday. Chris won the Monday show last year, twenty-eight and eleven, really good. Uh, Mark, you finished second, twenty-four and fifteen, and and I brought up the rear, twenty-three and sixteen last year for the Monday show. And we take a win when I can get an NFL win. Guys. And, and we all started off the season on the right foot. We all picked Tampa Bay on Thursday. Want to know? Start to the season for the Monday show. All right, let's get to uh, picks. Uh, before we get into tonight's game, we do have a college game this week uh, on Thursday. Ohio, zero and two. Ohio, uh, the Bobcats heading down to face Louisiana, one and one. Um, Raging Cajuns are minus nineteen. Raging Cajuns are nineteen and a half point favorites. Over under is fifty four and a half, and that is eight p.m. on ESPN on Thursday. But tonight's game, Raiders came in. Uh, Ravens came in minus four. They're currently up seven nothing on on Tyson Williams' thirty five yard rushing touchdown. Uh, we are all on Baltimore in this one and yeah i mean the raiders don't look bad that's what i will say so far i was actually i think torn more than you guys when we talked about it a little bit heading you know last week talking about all the games with the injuries i could see the raiders pulling this off last minute but i was reminded that just like we saw Williams in the oh, background, 35-yard run, he might be the next, um, you know, generation of, of Ravens running backs that excels. I cannot believe Derek Carr just missed Darren Waller wide open <laughs> and dumped it to, to Josh Jacobs instead. Wow. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I just thought overall, you know, it's the Ravens. Yes, they got to travel across the country. But um, not to interrupt, Darren Waller already has seven targets, guys. Yeah, I mean, I have his uh, receptions as a as a player prop tonight. So 
I I don't know how big that is that Incognito is out tonight, but um, seems like the Ravens are getting constant pressure on on Carr. So that's what oh, I really dictated. There's there's that pressure. Yep, there it is. Yeah, that's what I dictated the game on. Clayus Campbell mm. being in the backfield. Justin Houston with the sack. And we know that the Ravens dominate on Monday Night Football. That's another reason I picked them. Their statistics, like twenty-one and one, in their last Monday Night Football games, or twenty-one two and one, or something. Yeah, Pernell McPhee, Justin Houston meeting at the quarterback there to sack Derek Carr. Um, yeah, this uh, the over under for this one is fifty-one. The under yeah. under looks like it's prevailing right now. I would say, oh ball, luckily he got that back. Uh, Eight fifteen, it started technically, and it's on ESPN currently. All right, Thursday night football here. Uh, forgot to put the records in, but it's zero and one and zero and one. Giants at Washington. Washington a four and a half point favorite. I actually should check that. With the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury, I when I put this in, uh, this was last night. Um, so Washington's still a three and a half point favorite. Um, so not much has changed from from Fitzpatrick to Taylor Heineke. I mean, a one point swing um, down towards the Giants, but uh, I still like Washington. I definitely like them better than when they played the Chargers. We saw what the defense did to Daniel Jones uh, for the Broncos, and I think it's going to be even worse against Washington unless the Washington secondary plays like it did against Herbert. I mean, that's the only way that I think the Giants are going to win is if Daniel Jones can consistently throw the ball around. If he has time, though, that's the thing. I, I just I picked this game solely off Ron Rivera – Marrying a, a Carolina Panthers fan, I think Ron Rivera does really good on the defensive side of the ball. The issue is on the offensive side of the ball. So if it's a 16-13 game, 17-14, 21-17, I believe that Washington football team wins it. Yeah, Chris is with us. Um, Over-under is 41. Um so that tells you probably. I mean, I I don't expect it to be high scoring anyways. With even even the Giants' defense, um, they have a stout defensive line led by Leonard Williams. Uh, it's just the secondary. Can they cover Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, Terry McLaurin, and the like? But I think. Yeah. Unfortunately for my fantasy team, it's, it's a very poor matchup for Antonio Gibson. Um, specifically, again, because of Leonard Williams. <laughs> and how good he is against the run. Um, 820 on Thursday, NFL Network. Okay, we finally got through it. It, it only took four hours, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but... Next Monday, it will not be four hours, and uh, we will have the Monday night preview between the Lions and Packers in Lambeau. 
Uh, maybe I'll be there. I don't know. No, just kidding. I will not be at Lambeau Field. <laughs> um, and then we'll also be previewing the Thursday night matchup in Houston between the Panthers and the Texans. Love the Panthers in that one. Um, so that is the show for today. Bedtime. Uh, I know Nate didn't watch all four hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, appreciate it, Mark. Uh, thank, don't forget to follow us on all our social media, at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, FAAPodcast.com is our website. And also check us out, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Spotify. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you for Football Friday.